If you're a Disney Plus subscriber and you're watching The Mandalorian, Jack and I have a podcast for you. Every week, we'll discuss the latest episode of The Mandalorian and talk about other great content and maybe some not-so-great content on Disney Plus as well. As two lifelong Star Wars fans, we have a ton of fun geeking out over all the little details of the show, and we want you to join us every Monday. So search for Disney Plus Reviews. That's Disney P-L-U-S Reviews. Hey, Phil, how about that, Baby Yoda? Baby Yoda says, what's the podcast? At Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. And our friends really friends. If you don't know them, so grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by brand new Sif Pop writer, Foster. Hello. Foster, of course, from the new wave of Sif Pop Writers, done uh, quite a few articles on, on the site so far. Uh, a couple reviews in. Uh, what's, what's some of the stuff you've written so far? Uh, I've written two reviews. I did Old, the new Shyamalan movie, mm-hmm. and uh, In the Heights. And then I've been doing the Best Ever Challenges each week. Yeah, and you got uh, you got a Halloween binge watch coming up, yeah? Oh, yes. That's yes. Uh, October 15th-ish is when the new one comes out. So I'm going to try and watch all the... all the. Uh, I think there's like 14 of them, something crazy. What? <laughs> no way. <laughs> Maybe not 14. It's, like, it's more than 10, I think. Because you got all the main series, and then you got the two uh, th- Rob Zombie ones. Right. I think there's five, and then H2O, and then Resurrection, or something like that. And then there's the Rob Zombie ones. And the- wow. Okay. Anyway. And there's the new one. Right, right. And now yeah. that whole trilogy. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Since Jamie Lee Curtis came back. I am totally content having only seen the original and the David Gordon Green reboot. And uh, I, I mean, I'll see the the other, you know, Halloween Kills and Ends, but mm-hmm. I'm totally okay not having seen 2 through H2O and the Rob Zombie ones and all that. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like to try and work my way slowly through some of these uh, horror franchises. Uh, I gather that not a lot of the Sif Pop crew is is a fan of horror but uh i like my horror movies so it's weird Fun for me maybe. people are evil way either way hot or way cold i just i want mm-hmm. to like them because i want to like movies but as yeah. i talked about last week with um joe it's just gosh you got to make something compelling you got to have something be interesting about it and so i'm, I'm really excited uh, i think i'm gonna watch Candyman here before the new one because mm. uh because of like the context surrounding that movie so yeah so anyway, we, we obviously write for SifPop.com. We do movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other things. Uh, Movie-related, uh, video game reviews, actually now a thing. TV series, TV series, um, season reviews. Um, that sentence won't make sense in the UK. Um, <laughs> uh, so make sure you check out SifPop.com. Keep up with all that stuff. Uh, also, while we're plugging things for SifPop.com, make sure to check out Letterboxd, SifPop, where we have all our reviews. So uh, if you want to find something, as long as it was published this year, um, we have a back catalog keeping up all the, on all of that stuff, as well as um, this isn't really SifPop.com, but Alex has been making some really terrific uh, video highlights of these episodes. Uh, they typically go up Friday evenings of that week. So uh, check out Twitter at SifPop uh, if you want to check out the videos. Uh, but that's all the SifPop.com stuff uh, on today's show on the podcast. We'll talk about uh, two coming attractions, uh, The Protégé and Reminiscent, both coming out this week. Um, and uh, when we're done talking about those, we'll move on to the SIF topic, which will be TV catch-up. So we'll talk about all things TV recently, uh, what we've been watching, what's currently on, and uh, um, what we you know are adding to the queue, hot take, you know all that, all that, all that fun stuff. And um, 
we'll move on to the B plot. I thought this would be fun. We did this not too long ago. That was if you could revive any TV series, what would you do? I think I actually had revive or cancel um, like currently, but it wasn't at any point in time. And so this one is uh, our B plot will be you can cancel any TV series at any point in time. Um, so it's so like when I talked about it with Dicer, it was like, well, we have to make you know, The Walking at Dead end now. Um, or something like that so we'll do like we're gonna end it after this season so uh that'll be um that'll be that'll be that and um we'll wrap up with a spinoff uh quick recommend or warn from each one of us and uh uh that's the show but first let's get a chance to meet our writer this week Foster, this is your first time on the show uh welcome first of all Thank and you. Uh, uh i got the basic questions for you so uh you were part of the wave of Sif Pop writers that joined, what was it, like two months ago, three months ago now? Yeah, it's going to be the same story as everyone else pretty much. Found the tweet <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and and sent in a, a response. Well, so what was the thing that compelled you to like send in something this time? Uh, so I heard uh, that Aaron Dicer talking about it on the main Sif Pop podcast, just about how he, every week he says, a lot of fun stuff going on down at the website. And so I always thought to myself, ah, oh, that sounds fun to to do the best ever challenge blurbs and, and everything. But I never really looked into it further. I think I probably just didn't realize it would be this easy <laughs> for me to, be, <laughs> to become a writer. That's probably my honest answer. That's uh, fair. Yeah. But um, yeah, so when you put out the tweet, it said something in there like no experience necessary. And that was like, oh, I didn't realize that. So that's why I decided to send in response. Yeah, I mean, the whole the whole point, the whole philosophy of Sif Pop is that, um, you know, everybody's opinion is valid, um, regardless on whether you can write or whether you, you know, can't or whether you really only like a niche of, uh, of movies. You know, if you really only like movies made before CGI, um, you know, then like that's that's fine. Like all that's OK. Um, and like it's not a super big time commitment. Like I know some people have like that I know in life have been like. Yeah, I'm just not sure I could commit to that right now. I'm like, we're asking like five minutes a week for a B, like to write a BEC, you know, yeah. as long as you've seen the movie before. And like, you know, anything like anything beyond that is purely like voluntary. Uh, I mean, BEC is voluntary as well. But um, yeah, it's just uh, I think, yeah, I think a lot of people might have that perspective. So if you have a similar perspective listening at home, if you're like, well, I'm not a professional writer, like, trust me, 90 percent of us aren't. Um, actually, I don't think any of us write for a living, but like, you know, Ro- like, uh, Robert does a really good job editing. He does a good job helping people. Um, he does a good job, uh, uh kind of pointing out like, Hey, maybe instead of doing this, we're doing this. And Hey, this phrase kind of sucks. Like we've stopped using the phrase like, um, um, uh, like we, what else can I say about this? Right. Movie that what else can I say said, about this movie? Because that, because that implies, why should you read the thing that I'm reading? And it's just yeah. little things like that. So um yeah it's been a lot of fun and gosh i'm so happy with this last week's bec we did uh, mm-hmm. uh posthumous performances because of alex trebek and free guy and uh mm. um the upcoming bozeman episodes of uh marvel's what if uh and like what a what an interesting um like concept um and what a um just, I'm, just, I'm really happy with uh with the way that turned mm-hmm. out so um, yeah i got to do into the spider-verse for Stanley. Yeah, which is movie. which is really funny cuz like you asked me like <laughs> does that count but uh yeah. and then we were looking at like uh people who um like some of the writers were themselves like I don't really know this counts cuz the original 100 Dal- 101 Dalmatians like it's somebody who voices like 
truck driver truck number driver. three. Yeah. <laughs> or like the yeah. field or like Field of Dreams has somebody who was in it for like a super short amount of time. So it's like Yeah. But I do think that with Stan Lee cameos, I mean they are special. Mm-hmm. So it's not just I mean he is playing truck driver or whatever, but um, yeah. but everybody but like everyone knows. knows who he is. Yeah. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Lots of always mm-hmm. exciting, fun stuff going on at the website. Uh, so then uh, let me ask you this question. What is your favorite movie? But, you know, you know that I like to hear that answer. But what I'm really interested in is like, what makes your favorite movie like beyond excellent? So my favorite movie is School of Rock. Uh, it's 2003. Wow. Richard Linklater. I don't think I've uh, ever heard that, but that's a great answer. Thank you. I, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with it myself. Uh, with Jack Black, of course. Um, yeah. Yeah, I used to go with the Dark Knight for a for like a period of a couple years. Like it was School of Rock all throughout middle school and early high school, and then of course Christopher Nolan. I feel like is like a gateway drug for anyone who's interested in movies. <laughs> uh, so I went with the Dark Knight for a while, but I feel like that doesn't tell you anything about me if I like the Dark Knight because everyone loves the Dark Knight. Yeah, Dark Knight, um, Lord of but, the Rings, Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah I. But like I watched, I've watched School of Rock so many times, and I at, at some point, like a couple years ago, I was like, "This is my favorite movie," and because it feels more me too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the reason why this is my favorite movie, nostalgia is a big, big factor. Jack Black is amazing, um, but the kids too, I think, are fantastic. Like it's it's kind of amazing that there, are, I think there are five to ten memorable child performances in this, which is pretty wild. Well, um, and what's insane about that too is. Only one of the kids has grown up to be something, but Miranda Cosgrove was already doing Drake and Josh. So like, yeah, it's insane that there weren't seven or eight big time careers spawned from that movie. Yeah, it's it's really well cast. And I feel like when you watch the movie, you can probably identify with at least one of the kids. Like, uh, probably I would identify with Zach, the guitar player who's like a little bit stiff and awkward and needs to loosen up loosey goosey, as Jack Black tells him. Um yeah, and I think Richard Linklater is another reason that I think this movie is better than your typical comedy because mm-hmm. it's it's really a weird choice if you think about it. Like he was doing Boyhood, starting filming <laughs> this around the same time, did the Before trilogy, Dazed and Confused. So he does a lot of these like plotless vibey movies. But I think that's part of what makes this special because there's a lot more heart to this movie, I think, than most uh, typical studio comedies. Um, and the the final scene, I think, or the near final scene, the Battle of the Bands, that just puts it over the edge for me because I think this movie just sets itself basically an impossible impossible task with this Battle of the Bands promise. You know, you have to have Jack Black lead a group of middle schoolers in in a rock song competition and make it seem convincing and not embarrassing and not only do they do that it's actually a great song too <laughs> I, I listen to it outside of the movie all the time yeah it's um, great. and then and not only that that one scene has about like 15 thematic payoffs for each character like for jack black for each of the individual students for the parents watching for mike white who plays his roommate in the audience and for joan cusack the principal like mm-hmm. it's it's just fantastic conclusion like it really lives up to the promise of the premise i think yeah and look you're an you're an east coast guy so like have you gotten a chance to see the the stage play of it i have it's good i like the movie better but it's it's fun right yeah i saw it uh i saw it in des moines which doesn't really mean much you know you get the traveling crews which uh which whatever but the but the original guy playing the uh the the dewey character um was on the traveling tour when i saw him and like yeah it's fun Mm -hmm. it's nowhere near as good as the movie but some of the set pieces are really creative and 
some of the songs are are really creative and um the the the, the craziest thing is that you know it's the kids are on stage playing the instruments throughout the musical yeah. which is you know normally you have a band in the back or sometimes you have a pre-recorded track but it's just like nope kids just on stage rocking out and they're like mm-hmm. legitimately age cast so um yeah yeah i think so. there was a tv show too it was something i don't know where it was like nickelodeon okay. or something small like like did does did not look amazing to me but um i don't know this first time <laughs> that also exists yeah. yeah i think it had a couple seasons it was, it's like aimed at much much younger kids though mm, well that's a shame <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cool so uh so then i but look i know the schedule says that i have one more random question for you but i have a, i have a question we have to get out of the way first now first of okay. all nobody on listening to the podcast gonna be able to see this but i'm wearing an iowa shirt and you're wearing a michigan shirt so like <laughs> that's okay. already yeah that's already something that's not what i want to ask like look i'm a chicago <laughs> guy and you're a new york guy so like man who, who's got the better pizza because it's chicago absolutely so I am only wearing this Michigan shirt because my mom went to Michigan. My dad went to University of Virginia. And so they just get me shirts and stuff sometimes and I just wear them. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the whole story here. I, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm very unopinionated when it comes to like sports and universities and cities and things like that. But yeah. Cool. Well, what about the pizza thing though? Pizza? Yeah. Look, Chicago's uh, like, better pizza. Come on. Compared to New York? Yeah. I'm I mean, look, we're, fan. this is hard because we're talking like <laughs> for American pizza, like number yeah. one and number two, clearly. But yeah, I'm I'm just not a huge fan of like the the deep dish type of pizza. I prefer it thinner. So I, but it's probably just because I I've lived in New York my whole life. But um, I I mean I can do either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'll, I'll, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna complain <laughs> if someone hands me either one. That's fair. See, and I do like the more breading because I think a lot of times we just get too much sauce or, mm. you know, or like it's not necessarily even breading, but it's just extra cheese and they're just made with the finest, you know, pizza ingredients. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, both Chicago and New York really know how to do food. So mm-hmm. I, I was at the Iowa state fair uh, a couple of days ago and there was a tent that had lobster rolls and I'm like, man, I could really go for a lobster roll. But mm-hmm. not in Iowa. Like, who on earth buys a lobster <laughs> roll in Iowa? No, you go to the coast of Maine, like a little mm-hmm. shack right off the coast. You know they caught that lobster that morning. Like, that's the best place. Or, like, even, like, you go to Quincy Market in Boston or something like that. But just anywhere on the East Coast, really. But who is buying? And not only that, it's like a $28 lobster roll. Like, who is buying? A tw- <laughs> now, look, I'd be more concerned if it was cheaper because nobody should ever spend less than $20 on a lobster roll. But, mm-hmm. but let alone like, in a, who was, gosh, anyway, um, <laughs> it just made me sick to my stomach just seeing the sign. Yeah. <laughs> so I did what a good Iowan does and bought deep fried mac and cheese and steak sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, so the actual random question I have for you is uh, if you had the choice to be a hero or a villain for one day, which one would you be? Oh, I'd be a hero. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i feel like that shouldn't be a hard question uh oh or would, would it be like um like like if i could have some sort of specific heroes villains or powers or just like in general a hero just in general villain? oh i'd be a hero i don't want anyone to hate me <laughs> <laughs> I, like i kind of feel like i kind of feel like i want to be the villain for a day like okay <laughs> i don't know why and like i, I feel like at least the best villains that we see are villains that have good intentions, you know, Killmonger, Thanos, and um, let's see anybody outside of the MCU <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> that I can, that I can pick. Um, not, not in this DCU, but like, 
you know, I feel like there's a lot of people that you know, even Rachel Ghoul in Batman Begins, you could definitely um, say he has. I like that pronunciation. Yeah, yeah, it's the right pronunciation. <laughs> um, so, I, so like you can uh, you can see like they're just a little misguided, um, mm-hmm. but like they're trying. They're, I think in their own way, they're still trying to do good. And uh, you know, I think sometimes I'm kind of sick of sticking to rules. Like you know, with this whole. I don't know if the if the past year and a half has taught me anything. It's like we had a chance to move on from COVID nineteen, but the fact that people wouldn't wear masks and the pa- fact that people aren't getting vaccinated and are still going to mass events and whatnot, like, has caused this new variant that is potentially going to shut down schools again. And I just can't do it, man. I'm ready to just be like, <laughs> I'm ready to just start being the bad guy. But uh, um, I think is this a running theme? Weren't you talking about how cool the villains were a couple weeks ago? Like Freddy Krueger. Oh yeah, yeah. Last week. Yeah. <laughs> look, and like, look. That's the thing too. Is like, you have to make me care about the victims, and mm-hmm. you know, the movies typically do a better job of showing the um, the villain because typically, you're like, yeah, Jason's really cool. But like, but still, like, if you took it, if you take that in real life, like, no, these are real people. Like, we're talking in movies. These are characters, so I'm able to like separate enough. So like, I promise, I'm not a sociopath. <laughs> Okay, I'm a little I'm a little nervous to continue this, <laughs> this podcast episode. It's just you get oh, a cool a cooler costume, that's for sure. Right, like and like you villains get, like, a always nice get Magneto helmet. Well, villains, villains always get the better powers too, you know. Like I like try telling me, just try telling me that any one of Iron Man's villains aren't cooler than Iron Man. <laughs> like at least like in terms of abilities, right? Mm-hmm. Or like even most of Batman's villains are cooler than Batman like in terms of abilities and all that you know uh, sometimes mm-hmm. it's just a crazy clown but like you got like Scarecrow and depending on which version or you got like Killer Croc or you know like I don't know maybe that's also why I love the Suicide Squad but mm-hmm. um, you know because you take villains who have the cooler powers and yeah. you put them somewhere and tell them do good and obviously they're gonna do good mm-hmm. most of them at least um, so you just want to be the good guy you just you just want to please everybody Sure. Yeah, I'm a I'm a people pleaser. <laughs> so, well, so like that's the other thing too is like part of the reason why I don't really want to be the hero is because I don't want that pressure. Like, mm-hmm. do the smallest thing wrong when you're a hero and everybody hates you forever. Like, <laughs> gosh, I don't want that. <laughs> so anyway, I feel like it'd just be easier just to be hated and then you know you lose your powers and you just you know like I'm not saying I want to like destroy buildings or like you know kick over a kid's ice cream cone or anything like that. Like, I'm not saying I want to do, like, actually bad things. I'm just saying, like, you know, if I just want to, like, be a villain, you know, maybe rob, okay. maybe rob a bank or something, you know, that's... Yeah, yeah, one of those things. Right, one of those things that, yeah. you know, they just, villains just get a slap on the wrist for in comic books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, yeah. just put me in Arkham and I'll be out the next day anyway, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sounds, sounds like a plan. <laughs> I like it. My FBI guy is going to have a field day with this one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think we've gone long enough without talking about some uh, some movies. Let's talk about The Protégé and Reminiscent. Uh, which one do you want to start talking about? Uh, let's start with The Protégé. Okay, The Protégé. This is a new film coming out this week. This is going to be a theatrical exclusive, at least for the start. Um, I'm sure, as most movies are doing, they're doing uh, um, the uh, like $20 rentals after like a 45-day window or something like that. You know? So mm-hmm. I'm sure... We're going to get this, but as of now, August 20th, um, in the United States at least, um, this is uh, coming out exclusively in theaters, uh, starring Michael Keaton, Maggie Q, Samuel L. Jackson, a couple other people you may have seen or heard of in there. 
but that's kind of the big ones. I mean, Robert Patrick, of course, which by the way, like how did Robert Patrick get from Die Hard 2 and um, Terminator 2 to being like, you know, seventh or eighth on billing? Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is a, so this is starting those written by Richard Wenk. Um, so Expendables, Equalizer, Mechanic, um, Magnificent Seven, pretty much anything you expect somebody on this movie to be writing for. And um, directed by Martin Campbell. So mm-hmm. uh, of uh, Casino Royale and GoldenEye fame and obviously The Mask of Zorro and let's not forget Green Lantern. <laughs> but, I think Zorro's fun. I think Zorro's fun. Yeah, me too. Not like the the best movie ever made, but... Yeah, right. And especially if you stack it against... growing up. Especially if you stack it against Green Lantern. I mean, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so what do you think about this? You know, this is a theatrical exclusive. You know, let's let's get COVID out of our minds for a second. How excited are you to see this movie? Would you go opening weekend? Wait for a discount night. Wait till you can rent it at home. Uh, wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for. You're just not interested in seeing this. Uh, right now, I'd probably just say streaming. Um, I think most movies like this, I just wait to see uh, what other people think of it because this is the kind of movie that could be like another John Wick, like mm-hmm. with great action and that sort of thing, or it could just be. Yep, equalizer too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So streaming is where I'll land right now. But really, the answer is that I'll, I'll wait and see what other people say. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of like anticipation, probably like rent. I'm w- I'm right there, kind of with you. Um, I feel yeah. like this is a basic plot we've seen eight or nine or ten you know, million times. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> young upcoming person mentor gets killed, and mm-hmm. so now she's got to go take down all the people that killed takes down the mentor like the only difference is like this looks really stylized and maggie q looks like she like this looks like if you just take the mechanic atomic blonde and john wick and just kind of roll it all together mm-hmm. maybe not john wick maybe like nah john wick, that's fine whatever you just take all that and you just roll it together and then you just you know plop it out there like uh this doesn't necessarily look like anything special um yeah it's kind of the thing I, that, I, the thing that interesting interests me most is seeing martin campbell attach this because like mm-hmm. I love Casino Royale, it's my favorite Bond movie, and Goldeneye is an all timer too. Um, and you know, Mask of Zorro we said is fun, and I'm pretty sure, especially with all the things we keep hearing about, you know, uh, the Joss Whedon's Justice League and Birds of Prey, and you know everything. I'm pretty sure we can't blame Green Lantern on Martin Campbell. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's the thing that kind of has me most intrigued to be like, you know what, I might check this out. Yeah, I, th- I think if this one succeeds, it's probably going to be because of the action. Because, I mean, they have a couple fun action shots in the trailer, but um, I don't know. Did, did When the John Wick trailers come out came out first, did people have any idea that the action would be as good as it was in those? Because I don't I don't remember so. there being a lot of talk about it beforehand. So it could be a surprise. And because it's Martin Campbell, and I think Casino Royale has great action, mm-hmm. you know, it's possible. I don't, from what I recall, the only thing I remember hearing people talk about was like, okay, Keanu Reeves looks back to form mm-hmm. and there's the cutest dog in the world that just died. And we're going to, and, yeah. and, and, the, and what looks like a very straightforward plot. And look, the plot for John Wick is pretty straightforward, but like, that's not including any of the like world building, which is really when that movie came out, why everybody was like, holy crap, this is amazing. Because yes, it's got amazing action, but like, setting up the continental and all that this i don't know this just doesn't look it looks like it might be a fun time but not anything i need to rush out to see yeah i've, I've seen the trailer a million times now because it keeps popping up in front of my movies i'm seeing um it's yeah. just not it doesn't excite me really also 
like all the cast members I think are very solid, but they're not exactly selling points because Samuel L. Jackson is in every other movie ever made. <laughs> and That's I I love fair. Michael Keaton and I like that he's able to, I don't know, be doing all these movies now again, but he's, well, he doesn't necessarily make a movie worth seeing just for him alone. And, and Maggie Q, I know a lot of people like her from some shows like Nikita I think mm-hmm. her designated survivor. I have not seen either of those. So yeah, one of those CW shows. Yeah. Maybe she's fantastic. Um, but well, yeah, and I just have to wait and see. I mean, that's interesting to the Michael Keaton thing, because if you're talking 10 years ago, Michael Keaton, like, yeah, it's probably not necessarily a selling point. He had his high and then he kind of went away, but you're talking like, you know, Birdman and the founder and, um, you know, Spider-Man homecoming is great in spotlight. Um, yeah. You know, the other guys is that, well, that's a little older than 10 years. That's a favorite of mine, though. Yeah, um, he's great in it. <laughs> and like Trial of Chicago totally. 7, like, I mean, he's, but he, but again, he's also in American Assassin, which I haven't mm-hmm. seen, but I can think I can make assumptions about and Need for Speed and RoboCop. So I guess, I don't know, I feel like it's, it's a selling point for me, but maybe it's not quite as justified as I thought it was. And yeah, you're right. Samuel L. Jackson is in every other movie that has ever come out. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Maggie Q, I think, had a promising career at the start of her career and then just kind of resorted to CW shows or whatnot and just kind of became like a kind of underground, like, oh, yeah, I remember her, but I didn't. Uh, so I, this is one of those where I'm watching the trailer and I'm like, all right, I could see this. But as soon as it's <laughs> over, I'm like, I feel like I've seen the movie. And the only thing that has me intrigued to be like, maybe this is something more is the fact that it's done by Martin. Um, yeah. But like, you know, golden is a good, good uh, movie, but it's probably more known for the N64 game at this point. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's like I said, it's definitely one of the, it's the best Pierce Bronson bond there is, but like, the, yeah, the dialogue in the trailer also doesn't really sell me. That's why I say like, I think if it's good, it's going to be because of the action. But like, I, I'm, I've heard the, the opening of that trailer so many times with Samuel L. Jackson. Some people are good. Some people are bad or something like that. <laughs> it just feels, I don't know, kind of like yeah. generic action movie dialogue to me. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm with you. I don't, I could maybe see myself running out to a discount night to see this, mm-hmm. like, because that's, that's when people like, you know, go see a movie. Like, you know, you're going to have a lot of people in the theater for that one. And like, I feel like this would be the movie. Like I saw John Wick three on a discount night because that's when you go, when, you know, when there's a full theater and everybody's having a good time, although people behind me sucked, but, <laughs> um, but like, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I, I'm, I don't see myself going, but you know, if this winds up having a really solid score, I could go, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to rush to see it. So, yeah. Um, all right, I think I'm. I think I'm all done with the protege. You have anything else you want to say? Or you want to just move on? No, uh, reminiscence. Reminiscence. Let's talk about it. is it reminiscence or reminiscent. Reminiscence. Although I think the doc says reminiscent. Yeah, that's. What, I thought it was reminiscence too. I think it might have just like auto corrected it. Um, yeah. Yeah, reminiscence. Yes. So the doc is wrong. Uh, this is a new movie. This will be streaming on HBO Max as well at the at the launch title. Um, so we'll we'll kind of see um, where that goes. Um, well, not, we'll see where that goes. We, you have an opportunity, um, to view this movie day one, either at the, your own home or, um, in the theater. So whichever one you so choose to do, uh, I know what I'm going to be doing for this movie. Uh, but Foster, where do you land on this anticipation level for this one? I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I like this trailer. Uh, I like the cast and I don't know. It looks interesting to me. This would be opening weekend or 
like discount night sometime soon. Although I'm actually doing the review for this one, so I have to <laughs> do it opening weekend. But nice. I, I'm looking forward to it anyways. Yeah. Uh, also, I think it should be worth pointing out that uh, now that you mentioned that, that the Night House also comes out this week uh, mm. because I'm writing the review for that. Because so. <laughs> that, that one also Rebecca looks really Hall? interesting. Yeah. Okay. That one just like looks like it might be either really incredible or really terrible. And I think there's enough upside and I'm excited. Anyway. Um, yeah. So I guess there's my there's my mini coming attraction for the night <laughs> house. Uh, but yeah, reminiscence, man. I am absolutely with you. I'm going with uh, yeah. opening weekend though, like a firm opening weekend, not a not a like maybe matinee. And like, uh, all right, I, I don't think this is an original thought, but like, doesn't this feel like a remake of Inception, like by somebody yes. else, like a rip off? And the director is Christopher Nolan's sister in law. Yes, right. So, so I think that's there's definitely something there. Right, and. God, I don't know, like so much about it, like aesthetically as well as concept wise, just yeah. feels like an Inception ripoff. And that's really the only thing holding me back. But gosh, I, I think it looks spectacular. Yeah. Hugh, Hugh Jackman is having, I mean, he's not really having a renaissance because he never really went anywhere. But like ever since Logan, like, I mean, mm-hmm. including Logan, like he's been on like a role and, uh, and Rebecca Ferguson is, you know, one of the, She's one great. of the best in, and if you and if you watch um, uh, Westworld at all, then you'll know that um, uh, I think it's Tendiway Newton. I don't. Hopefully, hopefully. Oh yeah, yeah. Three weeks in a row uh, of hopefully I'm not pronouncing the name. Come on, wrong. Aaron. <laughs> uh, but like she's incredible in Westworld. Uh, looking at the cast too, it looks like Angela Serafan, also from Westworld, um, is going to be in this, and she's great in Westworld. Uh, Cliff Curtis, Brett Cullen. Um, Daniel Wu, I think a lot of people that you may not recognize the name, but you would recognize the face. Um, uh, but yeah, um, this, this was, yes. this was one that I've been looking forward to the most for the longest time. And look, you, you say new thing by the co-creator of Westworld and I'm in, it's just that yeah. simple. Same, same composer too. I saw an interview with him, so I'm going to try to pronounce it. It's like Ramin Jawadi or something like that. Um, is it? how he pronounces it but, I would uh, say Game of Thrones, Jawadi, but I guess I just yeah suck. <laughs> I know no <laughs> uh he did the Game of Thrones Westworld so he's amazing Game um, of Thrones Westworld and Pacific Rim <laughs> yeah and the, and the first Iron Man right I think uh I think so yeah yes Iron Man yeah so, um, yeah I think yeah visually it does remind me like of the limbo sequences in Inception uh, I've seen people online comparing this. I have not seen this movie, but Strange Days with Ray Fiennes. It's a Catherine Bigelow movie. Apparently, the plot is really similar. Um, I'm going to try and watch that. Yeah, I'm going to try and watch that this week because, like, if you look on Letterboxd, the people who haven't actually seen the movie Reminiscence, all the reviews are talking about how it looks like a Strange Days ripoff. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I got to see this movie if I'm going to do the review of it. So <laughs> stay tuned, <laughs> I guess. But. Yeah, I don't, this this trailer did both a great job of being like looking like something that we've both completely seen before and never seen before. And um, mm-hmm. just, I mean, because the Rebecca Ferguson character is essentially the mall character from Inception, and Hugh Jackman is Cobb, and um, the Tendiway Newton yeah. character is Arthur from Inception, and we got this machine that will transport your. Uh, um consciousness into something else and so a dream versus the past and who knows like you're probably not actually going into the past it's probably just reliving memories so like a lot of similar concepts i wonder like (laughs) because she's the sister-in-law of christopher nolan like i wonder 
is this just a conversation she had? She saw Inception was like, hey, Chris, what if, you know, you know, this, 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 like, what if Inception were about memories instead of dreams? Like, Mm -hmm. and like he uses memories and dreams, but like, what if it was like specifically that? And like, we have this, you know, new thing. And like, should be noted, this is a completely original. This isn't based off of a graphic novel or a novel or anything like that, which kind of seems like this would be the one. Like it, it mm-hmm. almost has that feel like, you know, kind of like the prestiges. This also feels like yeah. the prestige a lot. Maybe that's just the Hugh Jackman thing, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think reminiscence and the protege, aren't they both original, original properties, I, right? I'm not sure about the protege, uh, but okay. I, I think it is. I mean, that's nice. I, I always appreciate that. Um, Cause so many things are adaptations or sequels or franchise extensions. Mm, yes. It does say the protege is. Doesn't feel like it, yeah. but it is. So two movies that yeah. don't feel like it, but are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, gosh, I, I, I don't think I want to say anymore because I think I'm just like I don't know why I'm excited about this. Like, well, I know why it, because the cast and the crew. Uh, but then you throw in an incredible trailer with some really remarkable visuals. Um, I was thinking right before Old came out. For some reason, Old was my most anticipated movie of the year. And yeah, it was cl- high for me too. And closely following it was the Suicide Squad. And this has to be my number three, um, at mm. least at that point in time. This is currently, like, I'm not excited about anything more than I am this movie. You know, like... Then Reminiscence. Right. <laughs> like, because, I mean, we've got a lot of great stuff coming out the rest of the year. But there's continue. you know, like Matrix 4. It's like, all right, well, I'm kind of okay with the first three. Like, I don't necessarily know that I need a sequel to a movie... 10 years later, you know, but uh, that I'm still going to see and joyfully and like Dune, which, you know, looks great. And I think is a lot of people's most anticipated, but I'm more excited for this than I am Dune. Yeah. It's for me, it's last night in Soho. That's my, that's my most anticipated. I love Edgar Wright. Um, that's, you know, it, that might edge this out, but it's, yeah. it's, it's right there. Um, yeah. But like, and like Ghostbusters afterlife, like I'm excited, but like mm-hmm. not this excited. So, yeah. um, did you, uh, so you saw, obviously, Old was in the theater alone. Uh, have you seen The Suicide Squad yet? Yeah, I liked it. Did you did you do a theatrical, or did you go to a theater to see it? Or, or, or stay at home on HBO Max? <laughs> uh, HBO Max. Same. I just watched okay. it at home, yeah. Uh, is that what you're going to do with this one as well? Probably. Uh, I will be honest. Uh, I know as a movie lover, I'm supposed to be really high on the theater experience, but in actuality, it's not always as great as it's chalked up to be, I think, because the, the one that's closest to me, um, I don't know, it's like the, the projector is kind of dim in like every room of the theater. So it's like, I, yeah. I could see it more clearly if I'm just watching it at home and well, people <laughs> look and you know. sure. Right. Well, and every theater is different, right? Because yeah, for some theaters, sure. It's, it's, it's not a good experience to go. Yeah. And there is the people element, which I think having people around when I watched the suicide squad was great because we were all laughing together. It felt like a good time. Um, as opposed to me just, you know, alone with my wife and dog, you know, watching this movie, laughing to ourselves. Um, yeah. Or maybe not picking up on a funny moment or whatever. But um, it also kind of allowed me the freedom to be like, if I need to go to the bathroom, I'm just going to get up and go. Because I, if I feel like I missed something, I could just go turn it on HBO Max and watch yeah. it later. Or something. Um, yeah. But, my, but they're the, also... The theater... oh, sorry, go ahead. There, there also is just like an element, I think, of like... Um, you know, if you have an amazing system at home, like Dicer setup at home is incredible. Um, he's got mm-hmm. a really nice TV with a really nice sound system that I know he wants to do more to. And like, 
there, you know, he probably gets a pretty similar experience when he goes to a theater. Like, um, I don't know. Cause I haven't been to theaters in that area, but he's got a really great setup at home. And like, if you know how to like calibrate your TV, you know, you can, and, and you, you know, have the means to like buy a really nice TV or whatever. Like I have a really nice TV. Um, I'm not sure I know how to calibrate it, but I like the way it looks <laughs> like, yeah. But I but I still want that theater experience, so I I will be going to a theater to see Reminiscence, um, for sure. Yeah, I it's definitely I should say I still like the theater experience, especially when it's like an event type of movie where you have a a crowd that's like all excited to see the movie. But at the moment, the theaters near me are kind of empty still. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I I live a little outside New York City, and for whatever reason, like I saw Old and The Green Knight, both of those pretty much opening night or like, like the Thursday or the Friday, it was on like almost no one was in there. Maybe like five to 10 other people. The weirdest thing is I saw the green night. I'm pretty sure on a Sunday afternoon. And hmm. that was the most full theater that I've seen since like I saw nobody. I saw black widow. I went to the IMAX of the suicide squad. I went to like a bunch of things. I'm pretty sure that, um, that the green night had the, and it wasn't full, but yeah, I think people, I think our theater is spreading out showtimes a lot too. And so, plus I typically aim for ones that aren't going to be packed houses. Like yeah. we're recording this on Sunday night and me and my wife are trying to catch like an eight o'clock show for free guy. Well, most people yeah. work Monday through Fridays. So, you know, people aren't going to go out for a two hour movie at eight o'clock plus previews. So, um, yeah, like I'm so excited for this one. I'm going to see it as soon as I possibly can. I'm, I probably will even prioritize it over the night house, even though I'm writing the review on the night house, just cause I am way more excited about this one. Uh, I, but there's a good chance I'm probably going either Thursday night and Friday or yeah, Friday and Friday. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, um, it's or maybe cool. I think this one has, this one has the potential to be a huge inception like movie. Like, I don't know if it will live up to that, but it it's, it's like one of the first trailers I've seen in a while, aside from something like Dune, that really feels like this could be something amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, Inception's my third favorite movie of all time. So like, even if it is a knockoff, it's still probably better than most movies. You know, yeah. And just because something might feel similar doesn't mean it's, you know, not original or not, you know, doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean this is like we were talking about what if Lisa Joy had a conversation with Chris Nolan, like, you know, yeah just doesn't necessarily mean that but it just and maybe it's the way it's marketed maybe that's what they're going for because this is both wb so maybe they were like hey people like inception right no yeah maybe that's maybe that's what it's advertised as yeah i wonder if this though might be more character driven rather than story driven because i think like the selling point of something like inception is the concept because it's just really really cool um and even though they have the good emotional stuff with with leo and uh, Marion Cotillard I think it seems like this one the core of the movie is the relationship between Hugh Jackman and Rebecca Ferguson which might be a change yeah it's almost like if you completely took out the main plot of Inception and just made it Cobb trying to find Maul yeah so, um, yeah um, gosh this is either going to be you know Inception or Transcendence and no in between yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah <laughs> um, but I, I don't hate Transcend. I saw it once when it came out. I, I was like, this is what people hate? Wow. This is not good, but it's, you know, it's no, gosh, I was going to say The Lighthouse, but like. <laughs> oh, that's, you're, you're, you're picking fights there. With, a lot of people love that movie. <laughs> I know, but, but it's like, you could at least argue that The Lighthouse was made well. I just hated it. So 
don't know. It's not. It's not like this is Cherry. Cherry's an objectively bad movie all around. So. Um. Anyway, there you have it. Um. So those two coming out, as well as the Night House. I totally forgot. I wish I would have put it on the schedule. Um. But protege, the protege, reminiscent, and the Night House. Um. All available in theaters and reminiscent also, reminiscence also available on HBO Max uh, this Thursday night, I guess Friday. Um, should be a good movie, a good weekend for movie lovers, all, all in all. Yeah, and the, the rest of this year is just packed. Like if you see lists of all the movies that have not yet come out, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, Delta variant, better stay away. I'm <laughs> not gonna have it. Not gonna have it. Uh, yeah. So, uh, cool. Well, let's talk about some TV, uh, then get to the kind of the bulk, the main theme of the show. Um, well, first of all, we got to do this. We got to go, uh, I got to ask you, what subscriptions do you like use? So, uh, that way to get a pool, you know, it's just cause like, I don't have stars. It's like, you're never going to hear me talk about Ray Donovan. Is that stars or Showtime? I think no Showtime. Idea. Either way, I don't have stars or Showtime. So you're just like, not going to hear me talk about Ray Donovan unless I like buy it on Vudu, which like is pretty likely I'll do at some point because I hear that's a great show. But like, you know. I feel like that's an important thing because, like, if somebody's just like, yeah, I don't pay for HBO Max, it's like, oh, well, you're missing out on The Wire. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, what's uh, kind of what's your pool? Okay, so I'm a pretty frugal streaming service user. So I have a Netflix, mm-hmm. but I share that with my dad. I have a Hulu, but I get that bundled in with Spotify. So I'm barely mm-hmm. paying anything with that. I have mm-hmm. Disney Plus, but I did the upfront get it for three years or however long Me too. With, with my sister. So I'm not actively paying for that. And then mm-hmm. anything else like Apple TV Plus, HBO, Amazon, whatever, I usually just do it for a month, watch everything I want on there, and then move on for a while. So right now I have Apple TV Plus and HBO because I was trying to catch up on some shows for this. But um, yeah. yeah, that's what I got. On- honestly, I, I'm a big fan of, of public libraries. So mm-hmm. most of the movies and shows I watch, I just get a stack from the library. That's mm. that's my, <laughs> my method. Go. Yeah, and it's free. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the yeah, I th- I think that's a totally fine way to do it. I just I don't know. I I I want to be able to watch whatever I want. Like you know, if yeah. I want to watch you know the um, the Wire or which I own the Blu-ray of the Wire because it's one of the best shows of all time. But um, you know, if I want to watch or especially like keep up on something current, um, you know, and like Apple yeah. TV Plus just doesn't cost enough for me to care, <laughs> and mm-hmm. Disney Plus even if I didn't pay for it all. Two, two years up front for three years like it wouldn't cost enough for me to care like i get the argument for like hbo max being 15 a month um i get i get that um that uh i that one i could see somebody being like i'll pop it on for a little bit and then i'll let it go for four or five months and i'll buy it for a month or two or whatever like i could i could see that um yeah but you know and amazon just i don't i don't pay for amazon for the streaming service it's just a bonus perk i pay for it because i'm a millennial and i want everything now so yeah <laughs> uh cool so then uh what are the things that you've been watching so like just in general the last little bit i have the stuff i've been watching the last uh the last month but like where do you want to start uh so hmm, we could start with like the disney plus marvel stuff that's been coming out did okay. had you finished loki by the last tv i episode? had finished i have finished loki i have not seen what if yet I've been okay. pretty busy since Wednesday, and being, well, it's either I've been busy or my wife's been busy, and we watch stuff like that together. Okay. Um, so I haven't seen What If, and honestly, it's been like two months since I've seen The Bad Batch because I missed a week, and then all of a sudden, okay. I'm like half the se- half the season behind. So yeah, were were you happy with the end of Loki? Um, 
Gosh, yes and no. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I think it's brilliant. Um, I just maybe expected more or maybe mm-hmm. desired more or something. I don't know. Uh, maybe there, yeah. there's probably a lot that just went over my head. Um, sure. So I don't even feel like I fully comprehend. So I'm, I don't know that I'm prepared to answer that question. <laughs> Um, but overall I liked the show. Um, it's probably like, it's not, it's not better than WandaVision. Um, but it is better than WandaVision's the best of the three, I think. Yeah. It's like the most complete you can watch. This is right in the middle of those live action ones, but you know, I'm very excited to see what if, uh, am I allowed to mention a certain casting choice in the last episode of Loki? Uh, yeah, go for it. Uh, it's been out for, my rule is look, if, if it's been out for a week, you should be able to talk about it publicly. Okay. And sure. uh, so it's been out for a month. Yeah, I really liked Jonathan Majors in that episode. It was really, really weird. Me but, too. Um, I mean, I'm a fan of weird. It's it's more interesting than like the standard kind of. I don't know. Like I I I just got around to Black Widow recently, but um, like Ray I mean, Winstone in that movie is a lot less interesting, I think, than yeah, like, for sure. Well, and so I'm excited that Jonathan Majors is going to be playing a role coming forward. Well, and if you look at his career, you know, doing that performance in Loki and Lovecraft Country and The Five Bloods, like we're going to start having to throw in um, Jonathan Majors into the conversation whenever we talk about, you know, young, prominent African-American actors, you know, with Lakeith Stanfield and Donald Glover and uh, Yaha Abdul-Mentin II. Like, man, he's right in that conversation with them. He's like, these are, and and not only just African-American actors, these are some of the best actors working, you know? Yeah. Or creators, too, because Donald Glover does a lot of writing and directing, too. Yeah, Atlanta really launched so many great careers, Mm -hmm. I think. I mean, I'm sure they were doing things before that, but I love Brian Tyree Henry, too. Um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I think Daniel Kaluuya is, like, I think of the past five years, I think he's the best actor right now that we have. Like, Mm -hmm. I think I love his episode of Black Mirror um, Mm -hmm. and uh, Widows. I, I think he's so good in that. I mean, he's a he's a scary villain in that movie, and mm-hmm. he's great in Judas and the Black Messiah. Get out! Like I don't know, he he's incredible. Uh, I did see the first episode of What If. I just watched it. Um, yeah. My initial thoughts are uh, it's perfectly good, but not really for me. I think um, well, it does seem like it's aimed at a younger audience. Um, and well, and I wonder too how much of is it? How much of it is you're just not really interested in Captain Carter? But like for whenever it's the Spider-Man is the Sorcerer Supreme or something like that. Yeah, this is yeah, it's that's fair. It's definitely one of those ones where the individual episode will will have a huge impact on you, like the the individual stories. But um, yeah, I think the one, show this is one was a weird one to launch on, right? Like, there's no way yeah. this was their best choice to be like, all right, we got to get everybody in. What are we gonna do? Well, hold on. What if a girl yeah. was Captain America? It's like all your options like that's the one you're going with launch like like it's a great option it's a great choice but like why didn't you get a bigger you know yeah uh, something something bigger something more significant you know um yeah or is it black panther that's sorcerer supreme in the i don't it's one of the two it's either spider-man or black panther is sorcerer supreme like start with that that's incredible Mm -hmm. or start with what if tony stark actually died and there was no Iron Man, like because that one is going to be one of those. What if he died in the Stark explosion? Yeah. So, so the episode, this one, it was really fast paced. Like, um, you, it, it spans a, a a pretty wide range of time in about thirty minutes, and so it's like one scene to the next, like every minute or two, and you you see, of course, there's like a million Marvel cameos that make an appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know. I just didn't really feel anything while watching it. Like it's perfectly good. Like the animation okay. is very good. The action is 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 fun. Of mm-hmm. course, you have an insane voice cast because you have like half the Marvel people making an appearance. But um, I don't know. Overall, I'm I don't know if it's really for me. Even though I like Marvel generally, we'll see. Also, yeah, I think I, I'm we're just... one episode in. You know. Yeah, no, no, that's fair. I'm, <laughs> I'm making <laughs> making yeah, grand well, assumptions. And look, it, you're giving your thoughts, which is what I appreciate. But it's just like, yeah, well, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just. Yeah, we'll have to see. That's this is the only bad thing about if we have one episode out. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, there's not really a big basis for us to talk about. It's like that was a good or bad episode or whatever. But it's like, yeah, you know. yeah. But but judging judging from the style of it, I think um, like it would be one thing if it were live action and you could see the faces of these people and they're interacting in the way that we've seen. But um, th- they're changing their vocal performance style in a way to make it like like. Uh, Steve, get to the bay, you know, like <laughs> that kind of uh, dramatic talking. So it, I don't know. There's a bit of a disconnect for me. And I, I suspect that's going to be throughout all the episodes. Okay. Since there's got to be some sort of like tonal consistency, but for yeah, sure, that's all I got. Okay. Um, well, you said you have Apple TV plus. I assume you have it because of Ted Lasso. Sure. I, I watched a few things on Apple TV, but I, I watched season one for the first time and I'm all caught up in season two right now. All right, it's worth all the hype, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> that, that first season is so good. Um, oh, I, I mean, the the moment he comes on screen, I was I was into it. Um, it's perfect. I I just love shows with a or movies with a character that's like a, a beacon of positivity. Like feels like the Paddington movies too. I, I just yeah. love that kind of thing. Yeah, well, and it's one of those two that like for just months I was hearing Jason Sudeikis is killing it and is incredible as this really sweet and heartwarming guy. I was like, really, Jason Sudeikis, the guy from Hall Pass and Horrible Bosses, who's like, to me, would never be my first pick for pretty much any role. And he's excellent. And he's so stinking good in this role. Um, uh, And part of it, I've said this before, I knew I was going to love this show immediately where the episode, the first episode starts and I'm like, all right, I'm into it. You know, because you see Ted dancing in the locker room with all of them. And something about that was just so endearing. Yeah. And then the... um, the the title theme comes up and uh um and it's at the at the, at the end it says created by bill lawrence and it's just like yep all right the guy that did scrubs did this that makes sense mm-hmm. that's that's why i love it um yeah uh i mean i was sold from the beginning but the the moment that really just sealed it for me i think it was the end of episode two when you find out where the biscuits are coming from i was like oh that makes perfect sense i should have i should have figured that out but it was just I don't know. It's like, ooh, heartwarming. <laughs> well, and the the to me the moment that just completely sells this as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, current running show. Um, yeah, I'm willing to say that Ted Lasso is the best show airing right now, the best currently airing TV show. Um, and like, look, that's not an easy thing. Like, that's not a lighthearted thing to take um, because like what we do in the shadows is excellent. We'll talk about that in a minute. And uh, you know, like I'm a big fan of This Is Us, and uh, you know, Black Mirror is technically not canceled, and you know, there'd be another th- season presumably at some point. Like Euphoria is on, and Westworld is like, look, there's a good competition. Ted Lasso is the best show on TV. Um, the the moment that made me realize that was the end of episode five. Um, yes, where where he just it's when I you know if you haven't seen the show and you hear I just say he he decides to stop working on his marriage. You'd be like, what a dick. But but like it's the most powerful thing I think I've ever seen in uh yeah, in, in that's like the a, best episode for me. In a while. Yeah. Uh for sure that's the best episode. And um gosh, that moment will just every single time I watch it bring me to tears. Mm-hmm. Um 
So, gosh, and and the 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 boss lady, I'm totally blanking on her name right now. Um, Rebecca. Rebecca? Yeah, yeah. Um, her who starts off and you think she's just going to be the old hag from Evil from Major League, <laughs> but but she has a personality and you can tell she's yeah. grieving and we get to see that and like everything she does is from a place of pain because her former husband did nothing but bring pain and all of a sudden this guy Ted comes and he brings nothing but love and joy and not necessarily in a romantic way like I think there's sometimes where they kind of maybe hint that there's a little spark going on. I don't think the show is going to put them together at least, you know, um, but, but like it is just so heartwarming. Um, yeah. And, uh, I, and the ending too, with, uh, with him walking by um, Jamie Tart in the locker room with his dad, like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Gosh, what a, mm-hmm. mm. <laughs> and, yeah, I, uh, and I that's, love- that's also so not go- to say that uh, that this you know this show is hilarious too. Uh, that my it favorite is. line rewatching this was because uh, I think the first time it was probably one of those like when he asked Coach Beard to say things. So like so he's like, "What if I you know take a shoe and I put it in the trunk of a car and it's something?" He's like, "You're giving the boot to the boot," but like he does one yeah. of those like you know British pronunciation things. I can't remember right now. I think that might have been like my favorite, but. Uh, my favorite moment is when uh, when Jamie and Roy start fighting in the locker room in season one, and they're uh, they're just shouting back and forth at one another, and, and like a, a locker room fight breaks out, and Lasso and Beard come out, and they're uh, they're all like, uh, um, "Break it up, break it up!" Uh, you know, I got one rule about Fight Club. What is it, Coach Beard? Like, no Fight Club, and it's just the the funniest <laughs> thing to me. Yeah. Um, you, yeah, I, I cut you off a couple times. <laughs> what are you? No, doing no, it's fine. I think what's so good about it is it's, with this first season, it's pretty well contained too. Like it has a real nice arc through it. And I just love how you notice Ted's positivity just radiating and uh, infecting in a good way the the people around him, like on the team and Rebecca. And, and like you, you notice because he has some interaction where he's, you know, generous with his time and his, you know, listening to other people uh, that, suddenly the other team members start to do the same to to their co team members you know and rebecca starts to warm up to you. it's just really it's it's really great and it's kind of kind of inspiring too like it makes you want to be that sort of person as well where you just hopefully start a wave of positivity you know what yeah. i mean yeah absolutely man you're such an optimist um, <laughs> <laughs> we uh we gosh <laughs> And well, and here's the other thing too. This show did some really incredible character things. Where uh, I'm still not sure how I feel about Jamie at season and a half in, and I think you're supposed to feel that way because mm-hmm. he is a prick the whole time. But you understand why he is. And um, and Coach Beard to me is one of the best guys, partly because he doesn't really have personality. Like he's constantly with other women, and and he's constantly mm-hmm. doing things to like really like upset them. And we only see it a couple times, like. Um, and he's a, you know, there's like, if he, get, if he gives a nod, that's apparently a big, a big thing. Like he's such a, he's, he's one of the most interesting characters. And is it bad to say that? I think at least this season for sure that Roy Kent is my favorite, a guy who I oh, didn't the- <laughs> care at all about in the first couple episodes of the first season. Like as soon as, as soon as they introduced the niece though. And the moment where I fell in love with Roy was where he was reading a wrinkle in time to his niece. And then he finally mm, yeah, realizes yeah the you know the meaning because trent crim tells him and he's just like yeah Trent oh, Krim, the like, independent 
Yes, Trent Kim, the independent. I love in the new season when they do that and like everyone in the room is like, the independent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or like, uh, that's funny. I haven't seen this week's episode. The last, so the last one I watched was with um, Sam uh, putting black tape over yeah. the Dubai air at the end of the episode. That's the, that's the last one I've seen with Led Tasso uh, and Jamie coming mm-hmm. back to the to that and even sam does that because he calls on me says yes trent kim the independent and Mm -hmm. it's a yeah it's a great little running joke uh they have um so we've talked a lot about season one what do you think of season two so far we're we're halfway in now aired i've only seen the first three or four sure so i yeah i also saw the new one it's it's a christmas episode by the way uh kind of interesting yeah i mean it which is perfect for this show i guess it fits in with the with the vibe of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I do still like it a lot. I will say, I think it's a little bit of a step down from season one, just because I feel like season one, even from the first episode has a very clear arc. Like, you know, exactly where the show's going. Um, Ted has to win over this team. He has to win over the fans of, of the team. Uh, he has to win over Rebecca. And by the end of the season, he does a lot of that. And so this season to me, even though it's funny and I like all the characters, it feels just a little bit less, uh, purposeful i guess mm-hmm. um and then my, my only other thing i would say is the the therapist character i'm mm-hmm. not sure if i love how they're portraying her like a miracle one session wonder drug where they pop in for five minutes and then they come out and they're like i'm cured of all my problems i don't know I, i'm not sure that sends the, the exact right <laughs> message and in that first episode <laughs> they ask they ask uh um uh, danny rojas like what did she tell you she's like well she taught me that football is like yes <laughs> But football is also death. But it's also life. And it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like, I get that's the joke. I, I can't wait until we finally get Ted in her office. Yeah, um, it's yeah, that's clearly common. There, something's yeah. going to come out, I think. Like, I don't know. Or, may, or maybe she's going to like tear down his, you know, the surface level positivity to find out why he really does that. You know, like, yeah, she, the... she's going to she's going to bring up something deeply rooted in him that. Yeah, is the reason why he is optimistic and chooses to trust people it's probably going to be yeah it's going to make me cry i know um, yeah that's that's the thing i'm most looking forward to because you know you know they're building to something yeah uh, absolutely and uh um yeah so i mean i i'm not sure how i feel about the character yet i don't know if she's gotten enough screen time um, i i really like her um but like i don't really know that i know much about her and again that's kind of the point um mm-hmm. she's kind of this looming shadow this season yeah she speaks um, like eight languages yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, uh, the, um, to me, I, I agree with you. This is a slight step down. I, I do wonder, um, season one dropped all at once and season two is going on a week to week basis. So I do wonder how much of it is just for the first time we're getting a chance to like sit down and process and not like, I feel like Ted Lasso season one honestly works well with a binge. Um, mm-hmm. and I feel like I would probably like season two more if I binged it, um, mm-hmm. to kind of see where everything is going. Um, and look, I think that week to week is the way to do it. Um, I've been pretty vocal about that. I think that's the best because it allows for us to have conversations. Um, yeah. and it also makes me feel less pressured, you know, if I only have to watch one 30 minute episode as opposed to 10, 30 minute episodes, something like that. But, um, some really, uh, um, it, it is a slight step down. Um, but I'm still confident in saying it's, it's the best show on TV. Um, and I love what they're doing with Jamie's character now. And gosh, I, just love Roy Kent 
on the on mm-hmm. the talk show where he just is like, "Oh yeah, the talk show. That's fun." They're like, "Well, why don't like why don't you just tell us what you really think?" He's like, "All right, well, you're a pretty terrible coach. Like, I'm yeah. censoring myself." <laughs> yeah, but, but he's just like, "No, not about me. About the game." It's like, "Well, you asked yeah. me what I thought." Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, the only my my only knock is I really don't like where they've taken the Nate character because. In season mm, yeah, one, yeah. he's kind of this like lovey, lovable, enduring. Everybody's always overlooked him his whole life, and finally somebody is noticing him, um, and yeah. that pays off in a lot of really special ways. Um, and now they've kind of been like, well, now that somebody has finally acknowledged him, he's just gone completely to his head. And look, there's a time he's jump. Kinda mean. He's really mean, right? <laughs> I know. And like, and like, I'm fine if he wants to do some of the things, you know, like kind of nitpick the the last person you know the person that took over his old job uh, i don't yeah, even yeah. know his name because he's not really a character but he's just like use lavender in it it's like mm-hmm. you you can't use lavender because then they're going to be calm like we need them angry and it's like I, that's actually kind of a good point but um but like yes yeah, so, so some some things like that but it's just like he's just so full of himself that he's just not a likable character anymore and yeah how did you do that with nate the great you know I bet he's going to meet with the therapist too, because she, she's probably going to be like, maybe now that you've gotten this power, you're trying to make up for all the the years when you were not in power and had to listen to other people boss you around. And so maybe now he's letting it get to his head and then he'll have some emotional breakthrough with the therapist too. I wonder. Yeah. Oh, I know that's going to happen, right? Like there's no yeah. way they're going to keep Nate like this. They're going to turn him back into the lovable character we all fell, you know, we all fell in love with. But um, I don't know. It's just, if I'd have been able to see the whole season, you know, whatnot, but it's just like, He's just a jerk this whole season. I mm-hmm. just don't like him. Yeah. Um, I do feel like they're also playing up the the quips from Ted. Like he's he's a lot more quippy, I think, in this season. Even though he does it throughout all of season one, but in season one, you have a lot of moments where he's like no sarcasm or jokes or references. It's just like direct to Rebecca. One of my favorite moments, I think, episode four, um, after her uh, ex husband, who we come to realize is awful and mm-hmm. is really full of himself, but projects this you know air of importance and generosity and then afterwards ted lasso directly to rebecca says you may think you're the only one who sees him for what he is you're not that was one moment that was just oof. it's like because that's what everyone wants is to be seen like and understood like that and i that those are my favorite moments of ted's character and so i i i feel like we haven't gotten any of those yet this season really well but but i I bet they're playing that up for the therapist to ask like what are you hiding behind all these jokes and references you know i also feel like this is a show and plenty of shows do this the first season was so much ted and everybody else was a background thing but it's come to the point where like ted gets significantly less percentage of screen time because yes. rebecca is now a character that we love and um you know roy and keely um and even yeah. since jb tart was separated you know like it, i love how this really has become an ensemble even though it's ted lasso like yeah. um i love how the pieces have fallen together and i i i am just as interested in roy and keely as i am in ted lasso so um yeah just a plus show making a, a plus making i i'm really mad just like i pretty much only pay for apple tv plus for this mm-hmm. um which again it's not really significant amount of money but it's just like it always says like warner brothers television production it's like Warner Brothers made this? Why didn't they just save it for HBO Max? Like, mm-hmm. uh, um, anyway, uh, just just makes me mad. But I will yeah. happily pay $5 a month to just be able to watch Ted Lasso whenever I want. Uh, what's another show you want to talk about? We've only got through one. And I think that's sure. probably the most we'll talk about. 
any yeah, show. <laughs> uh, since we're on Apple, um, I've I've seen a few on there weirdly. Last year, okay. I watched Morning Show and um, Defending Jacob. I thought I thought Morning Show is good. I just think it was a little too long. Like, did not need to be as many episodes as it was. Uh, Defending Jacob, I thought was really good until the last episode or so when it gets a little crazy. And then mm-hmm. I'm also doing Servant, the Shyamalan show. So mm-hmm. I watched season one last year and I just did season two, even though it came out a few months ago. Um, I, I like it overall. I do like M. Night Shyamalan. I will, I will defend him for the most part. Um, yeah, that's and, fair. Yeah, it's a, it's a creepy show. It's weird. So like, I would, I would not recommend this to 90% of people. Uh, it like, <laughs> takes a very specific person to enjoy this show. But uh, I, yeah, he directs a few episodes. He's, he's not writing it. I think it's Tony Basgallop or something like that. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. Uh, but um, the episodes he directs, I think, are the best episodes. They're really, really good. Like He's a mm. great visual director, I think. Uh, and I think this show proves that because it's, to me, it's clear. Like If I were ranking all... 20 or so episodes that have come out the top three are the three he directed um and the performances range as as with a lot of his recent movies like really good in some moments to slightly questionable in others uh i i I think this show to me proves that it is just his kind of quirky style uh because this show is it's pretty quirky there's a really black sense of humor to it as well so kind of like old you have moments where you're like am i supposed to be laughing here and i think you are i think i think in this show you are too i think i think Shyamalan just has a strange sense of humor um yeah well it's, so i wouldn't recommend it's it to most people stuff but i'm enjoying it it's just that his stuff isn't marketed as humor it's marketed yeah. as horror thriller and then there's a funny moment and you're like oh like haha yeah uh-huh, <laughs> all right yeah, <laughs> yeah haha um yeah um, I'm watching one other show on Apple TV Plus. Um, have you st- have you watched any episodes of Mr. Corbin yet? I sure have. I've watched all three. That's okay. the next I one I'm going to bring up anyways. I haven't seen the third one yet, uh, just because, again, it came out just a couple days ago and I'm busy. Um, gosh, I don't know how I feel about the show. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I like, like, I like it. I just, I, that's the reason why I watched it is because he, I think, created it as well as stars in it. Yeah, and he directs. I think he's done two out of the three episodes so far. Well, and then as soon as it popped up, it was also like NA24 Productions. Like, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, another reason to watch it. I just, I don't know that I know where this show is going. Yeah, and, and episode three will not help you either because it feels, <laughs> it feels completely different than the first two. It's like each one is its own real isolated episode in his life. And stylistically, tonally, they feel very different. Yeah, like, I, like I, I'm liking what's going on. I'm just, I don't get what the point of the show is. Um, yeah, I, I don't understand it. And like, maybe it's going to be one of those things where like, you know, the, the, the descriptor says, you know, a person or a high school teacher, um, like gets prompted and asks whether or not he's lucky. And it's like, sure. Pro- like maybe it's just his, um, his wrestling with how, to, how is my life actually? Um, but mm-hmm. I, I just don't know that that's the show we're getting. We're kind of just yeah, as of now getting a slice of life of somebody who, never lived up to what he wanted to be and has serious regret about it. Yeah. They're playing, they're playing heavily into the anxiety aspect of it too. In episodes two and three, especially like the, uh, the opening scene where he said, where the girl asked him, why is it important that Sacagawea was a woman? And he gets anxiety. Oh, yeah. It's the funniest thing. Yeah. It, 
So I'm, I'm in grad school right now to become a teacher, a high school teacher. And so I, I always like seeing teachers on screen. And this one was like a little too, <laughs> a little too awkward for me. I was like, oh, no, I'm getting a, a little glimpse into my future. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like I like this show. I'm definitely saying, you know, if you're interested, you should check it out. I just I'm not sure where it's going. And I'm happy that I'm not alone. So, um, yeah, I yeah. like I like it, but I'm not. I don't know. Not blown away by it. I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of most of the supporting characters, but I. I really like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Just generally, I, I find him super likable. Um, and he's like, he's clearly a creative person. So this show incorporates a lot of that. Like, there's a lot of there's a, there's animated sequences and like lots of music stuff. And the third one, this is not really a spoiler, but there's a musical sequence. Um, it's pretty nice. strange. Um, but uh, yeah. Well, there was it's that moment show. in. There was that moment in the first episode where Joseph Gordon-Levitt some, says something that is, um, how do I want to say this? <laughs> um, <laughs> hilarious and hurtful um, to to a woman that he goes home with on the first night. Mm. And then oh, she yeah, yeah, yeah. punches him and it turns into this really interesting, trippy segue that I kind of loved. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, uh, the like floating space type thing. Yeah, where it turned into like half animation for a second. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm excited to like keep watching it and I'm excited to like hopefully get a bigger picture. But like it, it, if I don't understand what that is soon, like I'm just going to get less and less and less excited about the show. Yeah. So. Yeah. The, the most my most optimistic view of the show is that maybe by the end of the season, when you see all these little uh, pieces of his life next to each other maybe it'll all come together and you'll see ah this is what the show is trying to say all along but right now Look, I'm if, not if there's anything that's sure. going to do that it's going to be joseph gordon levitt in a24 yeah yep there's also a lot of the ryan johnson crew is a part of this like noah segan is in five seconds of the first episode yeah. and uh uh nathan johnson does the score um well you got to imagine with you know um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt being involved in everything Ryan Johnson's done, and so so did I. The, the I don't know the actor's name, but Kid Blue from Looper. Like yeah. you know, with them being like, you gotta imagine they just have a camarad camaraderie. Like mm-hmm. you know, like same thing with like Nolan's Rat Pack and Wes Anderson's Rat Pack. Like I like to think they're all just friends. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll mention uh, one show because we can do it quickly. That I'm just rewatching. Um, I'm rewatching what we do in the shadows with my wife before the, uh, season three premiere. I watched um, this for the first time so we can talk about it ooh! longer if you want. Cause I just watched Yay! it. All right. Uh, another, have you watched all, <laughs> have you watched all yes, of it? All of it. Uh, all right, in my, in my rewatch, the last episode we watched was the trial. Okay. Um, which in, is like the season one episode seven. Yeah. Seven or eight where okay. you have Tilda Swinton and Wesley Snipes and <laughs> yeah. the, the original, what we do in the shadows gang from the movie. And, mm, uh, yeah, yeah. um, gosh, there was a couple other like really famous people in there. Um, Wesley Snipes, uh, Danny Trejo, is it Evan Danny Rachel Trejo. Wood? Evan Rachel Wood. Yeah. That was the other one. Like that. So like, I've seen the whole show and Abby's just mm-hmm. watched bits and pieces and she's enjoyed what she's seen. And I said, well, the new season's getting ready to come on. Do you want to watch it all with me? And that, and she's like, yeah, I would do that. So we're, uh, yeah, we're almost done with season one. And look, I am enjoying season one, but season two is far better. Yeah, yeah, like, I agree. Like, I, I know, like, we haven't spent a ton of time watching what we do in the shadows. Like, we've kind of slowly worked our way through season one. Not like snail's pace, but like maybe like one or two a day. Um, usually like one a day or two every other day or something like that. Um, I have a feeling when we get to season two, it's kind of like when we watched Parks and Rec, 
it was mm-hmm. a lot of like, all right, like I'll, we'll, we'll do one now because I'd seen it before a couple times and it was her first. Um, but then as soon as we hit like that stride that they hit, like, you know, especially like when, when season four comes and they introduce Paul Rudd and all that, like we were just watching seven, eight episodes a day. Like I have a feeling yeah. season two will not take us. The episode with, uh, I think it's the third episode where there's a Super Bowl party and they get an email that is yeah. one of those, like, you have to forward this, otherwise this going to happen. Like, mm-hmm. and they take it literally is the funniest thing FX has ever put out. <laughs> my, and my like, favorite. I love it's always oh. funny. So like, I, again, yeah. I don't say that lightly. <laughs> My favorite episode is where Colin becomes the boss of his company and starts getting <laughs> that one to me killed me. The and, and when he just starts draining people by saying phrases, TGIF, working hard or hardly working, and he just slowly gains power. And then at one point he he uh, comes home to the vampires and he, he starts harmonizing with himself. He's like, Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> and he's just got too much power. It's so good. I, I love I love like anytime you see him and like the facial reactions that he makes like after he absorbs yes. energy he looks at the camera and he makes yeah. that face he's he's so perfectly cast because I know I don't I don't even know the actor's name but he's that guy that you just see playing boring guy all the time and that's the yeah. point of this character um, and what a what an interesting idea the and and when he when the energy vampire Colin comes across uh, what is she like the a emotional vampire yeah the emotional vampire yeah Vanessa like, Bayer right. <laughs> And they just go for a battle of wins. <laughs> yeah, this oh, this show is really something special. So it's if you're not so watching funny. it, I would recommend watching the movie first. If you haven't seen the movie, it doesn't play into it at all. Um, but except they do show up at the trial. Like it's just the movie is great. Um, you don't need to watch the movie first, but um, to kind of like get like know what you're getting into would would be. Yeah, helpful. I I would agree. I I like the movie a lot. I think it's a good tone setter to know what you're getting into um yeah do you have a favorite character depends on the episode (laughs) yeah i think this is one of the best ensembles i've ever seen because you could genuinely say any character and it would make sense to me because they're all really good yeah i mean depending on the episode like there's definitely moments where guillermo shines like especially towards the like the his arc where he realizes he's uh, he does he's a descendant of Van Halen and he yeah like, uh, or Van Helsing Van Helsing right Van Helsing <laughs> Van no, that'd be a different story <laughs> that'd be a very different story. no Van Helsing and like you know seeing him um you know do that but like um it wouldn't be Nandor I don't think and I don't think it would be Nadja so mm-hmm. um uh gosh and I think Colin Robinson is such an intriguing character but like his the point yeah. is he doesn't really have much of a personality so. Uh, either either Guillermo or um, who's the other Laszlo. Vampire? Laszlo, yeah, yeah. One I like two. Guillermo. Guillermo is probably my favorite. I will say, I think Nadja and uh, Nandor. I think those actors are so good. The voices yeah. they do really kill me. Like, um, yeah. Oh, I also like in in season one the Beanie Feldstein stuff. She's really funny. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of kind of unexpected. Like, I didn't realize she was going to be in this at all, but she's in I think four episodes. Uh, but I, I love when uh, Nadja's trying to coach her a little bit how to be a good vampire. And Nina Feldstein's like, I, don't, I just don't know, what am I supposed to do? And then she's like, oh, it's no big deal. You just get to drink little blood, baby. You know, <laughs> it's so good. I love it so much. I, I love their voices. They're, they're fun yeah, to, yeah. to imitate. Also, do they ever explain why uh, Laszlo just has a generic British accent? Whereas I don't all, think all so. the other ones? That's really I, funny to me. <laughs> just like, that, hello there. <laughs> that he has a, like, 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has a proper proper British accent, and everybody else is yeah. like Eastern European centuries before. Like, I, I think it's just because that's probably where he's from. Um, yeah. You know, whereas like Kaznagia was a vampire because she turned him. Yeah, yeah. Um, they probably explain it. It's just really funny to me that that he just has this <laughs> such yeah. a forward, you know. Well, yeah, and it's so. like they've lived for hundreds of years in New York, but like they don't really yeah, go yeah. out or anything like that. No. So, like, except with the Baron, the Baron's night out, that was really funny to me when they're getting oh. drunk by drinking and, and the, the blood of people who already had drunk. Freaking the the snakeskin hat from or the witch's skin hat from. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With the, with the Nick Kroll episode, like mm-hmm. <laughs> this most random, <laughs> ludicrous stuff that I just eat up. Um, yeah. There's a similar show that I've been watching. Um, uh, it's on so HBO Wellington Max. Paranormal. Wellington Paranormal. Have you been watching yeah, that? I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. Yeah. So Alice told me about it on the podcast. Like I think her first or second time on, and it's created. Uh, it was it, Australian show, and um, it's created by Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement. Um, I think Jermaine Clement has more to do with it uh, because Taika's busier. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, but it, it's made by them, and it's kind of set in that what we do in the shadows universe, except it follows two police officers and the captain who have this secret paranormal division. And um, there's uh, there's some really interesting, like re- obviously Taika Waititi humor in there, uh, and mm-hmm. Jermaine Clement humor in there. Humor in there. There's uh, um, lots of like movie references that are kind of fun. Um, and it's it's also shot like a mockumentary, so it's very similar yeah. to what we do in the shadows. They pair along very nicely. Um, and again, the three leads are terrific. Um, the captain is probably my favorite, and like it's funny because they have New England accents too, which mm-hmm. is just funny hearing as an American. I don't know if that's like a like dialect. Like I have no idea if that's like a dialect they're playing up um, to be funnier to an international audience, or like maybe it's just funny because it's a funny accent you know um yeah. the, you know and and like respectfully you know like i'm not trying to say oh these sound dumb because you know i'm from america so <laughs> um you know uh th- anyway this show's really great it's airing on cw and then going to hbo max um uh, there was three seasons out in australia and i'm interested to see if they're just gonna release all of it at once or if they're gonna make me wait to watch more because i don't want to wait to watch more yeah this is one i'm sure whenever i watch it i'll love it uh i just haven't gotten around to it it's i'm only like four episodes in so like it's not quite as good as what we do in the shadows but it's very good very very i i love that kind of humor though like like the i guess just like either british new zealand australian whatever just just not the non-american humor gets me i guess yeah yeah. Well, I've got four more, but uh, I think it's your turn to to, to rattle okay. off one or two or seven or All whatever. Right. <laughs> I crossed a huge one off the list of shame. I just watched True Detective season one for the first time this week. Mm. Um, Does it hold uh, up? Oh yeah, I thought it was great. I, <laughs> Good. I, I it was fantastic. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't even really have many words for it. I will say that the standout to me it's Matthew McConaughey. He is mm-hmm. so good in this show mm-hmm. because I feel like it's. I almost view him like a meme now, you know, just like his humming in Wolf of Wall Street and the whistling and the the Lincoln car commercials, right? Like it's yeah. it's hard to remember that he's a great actor. I, I, I thought love he was how amazing in this. I love how when you said the Lincoln car commercial, you were doing the hand motion too. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 for the for the for the audio podcast listeners, I was doing right. the little hand motion. Yeah. Uh, um... He, he, you're right. He's absolutely the standout. But that's not to say that Woody Harrelson isn't great. And oh, it's not he's to say so that, good. 
uh, yeah. that Alexander and Daddario doesn't deserve to be a star after that. Like it's, yeah, it's Michelle Monaghan's amazing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I think Woody Harrelson doesn't surprise me. Those just because I've seen him in so many things, and he's always really reliable. But uh, I don't know. It's, I do, I just Matthew McConaughey is so so singular. I guess I just I <laughs> I don't know. He's he's just a funny character, and so it's easy to forget that he's really great. But I was looking on his IMDb in 2013 and 2014. He was in four back-to-back projects: Dallas Buyers Club, where he won Best Actor; True mm-hmm. Detective. Uh, which I think he won an Emmy for. Oh, and Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. He did not. He, uh, the One of them, he lost to Brian Cranston for Breaking Bad. And then the other one, he lost. It's either the Emmy or the Golden Globe to Billy Bob Thornton for Fargo. Because I looked this up. I was like, why didn't he win? If he didn't well, win, it better be Brian Cranston or Breaking Bad. Or, <laughs> and it was. <laughs> or or so. Billy Bob Thornton and Fargo. Yeah. All right. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. But like, but between... Dallas Buyers Club, True Detective, Wolf of Wall Street, Interstellar. That those two years are just insane. That's got to be one of the best. Like, I mean, that was the beginning of the the McConaughey Renaissance. Was that yeah. Dallas Buyers Club, and then um, True Detective really, really propelling him forward. And also, like you're right, because he had become a meme at that point because the Lincoln Car commercials and the you know, all right, all right, all right. But yeah, uh, yeah, like really, like made him. And you know, and then he did the Dark Tower. But <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think that was in that 2014 year. But um, yeah, he's just, uh, he's excellent in that show. Everybody's great in that show. I was just wondering because um, there are three seasons out and notoriously yeah. neither of them are as good as the first one. Although season three is really good. Very but big step up from season two. Um, I was just wondering, but like, it's also that the show has been out for seven years now. Like, yeah, I was wondering, like, is, is it, you know, seven years of all the hype in the world? Um, like, I was just wondering, like, how is that? So, uh. Yeah, I I cool. think it's it's also easy to see how TV has been influenced by it. Like wa- watching this show, the one show I kept thinking it was Mindhunter, and it feels very similar. Mm-hmm. Which interestingly, I think probably True Detective was inspired by like Zodiac and other Fincher stuff, yeah. and then now Mindhunter Fincher's show, which is great by the way, does I it think, uh, feels like it's inspired it by you, True Detective almost? Does it make you happy knowing that the um, the director from most of the True Detective episodes um, is the director for the new 007 movie oh yeah uh carrie fukunaga uh he did all of the season one episodes and he also did maniac i really liked that show with jonah hill and Miss stone um i think that's pretty exciting because maniac has this one episode that's kind of james bondy where there's like a, a shootout in a hallway with jonah hill and emma stone and watching that episode before i think he was hired to do bond i was like this feels very james bondy and so it's kind of perfect i think that he's doing it i mean i'm excited for that for that bond yeah me too i was just like but now that you've seen you know true detective oh yeah like, this yeah i was thinking about that while watching the show i was like this is you know the guy's got his things yeah yes um <laughs> cool i'll go with um only because I don't know how much I talked about it last one, so you can just let me know. But uh, sure. my wife and I just love Crime Scene Kitchen. Um, okay. There was a nine-episode run. Um, but I love cooking, and I kind of love mm-hmm. cooking stuff. There's a nine-episode run, uh, and I hope we get more. Um, it, cooking shows are really hard to not get a second season because they're so inexpensive. Um, you know, when probably the thing that costs the show the most is Joel McHale as your host, you're probably okay budget-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So – um, anyway, it's just, if you're looking for a new reality cooking show, I think this one is, has a really interesting concept and Joel McHale kind of surprised me at how much I liked him as a host. Um, yeah. anyway, the finale was really satisfying. Um, I think the judges did an excellent job kind of critiquing everybody along the way and yeah, I love it. It's a Fox show, so it's on Hulu. Very nice. Um, um I have 
two more I could mention, and then that's it. Then I'm done. Well, well, I'll go with one more then, quick. Uh, okay. I watched the first two episodes of Medical Police because I was just looking for something that I could like turn on at like you know one in the morning or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I love Children's Hospital, and this is you know like a spiritual sequel to Children's Hospital that is very. It's a Netflix show. Um, yeah. <laughs> this show's really funny and really stupid. It's <laughs> it's it's everything that Children's Hospital was. So. Um, yeah, whether you whether you like seen Children's Hospital or not, like if you if you've seen it and like it, or if you even like Adult Swim type humor, you know, or like F is for Family or really any Big Mouth, anything like that. Like uh, yeah, I've not seen any of these, so <laughs> I'm a little out of the loop here. It's a uh, it, it's it's almost like a modern day Mel Brooks. Um, okay, like and specifically this one is a little bit more on the nose, you know, like different different styles of comedy and all that than Big Mouth and whatnot, but. Um, which Big Mouth is great. You should definitely check out Big Mouth. Um, yeah, but um, it's it's yeah, it's almost like the next evolution of Mel Brooks stuff because it's very slapstick and it's very um, you know wordplay, um, you know Monty Python esque, um, but like you know with some fart jokes, you know. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, it's 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 a perfect like one in the morning show. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, my last two are ones that I'm just working my way through slowly. Uh, so I'm not, I haven't, I wasn't actively zipping through them in the past month or anything, but I'm watching New Girl and Doctor Who. So I'm, for the first time, I'm watching these shows. Uh, New Girl, I'm, I think, in the middle of season three, towards the end. Doctor Who, I'm in the middle of season five. So just in the first season of Matt Smith's run. Uh, I like both of them a lot. I think New Girl is probably just like a standard sitcom, but it's just the characters are so likable that. I'm having fun with it. Doctor Who I like a lot. That's one that I wanted to get into for a while. And so that one I just like every few months or so, I'll go through another season. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, I know uh, that's there's a lot of drama, I guess, in that world with the Chris Chibnall, yeah. right? Not everyone's a huge fan. So right. I don't know. I'm, I think I'm still in the, in the good years. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it's. <laughs> I think it's. <laughs> that might be controversial. I th- Sorry. I think, <laughs> anyway. I think the best years are supposed to be the David Tennant, Matt Smith ones. So. Sure. Um, I I'm not a doctor. I'm not a Whovian or whatever. They ah, are. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I and think, I don't. Um, I just don't know that I care to be at this point. Yeah. I think honestly, this is another uh, Ted Lasso Paddington type of situation. Not quite to the same level where the doctor is just a really positive character and is just like a sort of a beacon of positivity. I mean, they stress like the he doesn't. He's not violent or anything. He's like funny, good humored throughout most of the shows it's it always puts me in a good mood whenever i watch it nice and a lot of great actors too and it's fun it's like this is one of those shows that really episode by episode um uh the quality varies i guess so like your average episode might be fine but like every so often you'll get one that's like the best thing you've ever seen so like once or twice a season you'll usually get that and that's always really nice uh i'll go with the shorter one first uh rick and morty uh, I'm just kidding, like the new episodes that are coming out. Mm. Um, I think this is a show that I like less each season that it's on. Uh, yeah. Have you, have only you seen, seen the show season, at all? I've seen season one. That's it. And I thought it was fun. I'm just, I just have a hard time getting into these animated shows for the most part, but I get it. I it's, think, a, it's a good show. I think season one is rightfully deserving of pretty much all the praise that it gets. And I think that season two is either really strong or well, like, um season two is for the most part like really good but there are a couple like really standout amazing episodes um and i think season three is incredible or terrible episodes um Mm -hmm. and i think season four most episodes like 
season four and five are just so far up their own ass that like it's so hard for me to enjoy because the writers like realize oh people like that we're doing creative and in you know ingenuity whatever i don't know um like uh they are they realize that oh people like when we go big brain so let's go biggest brain. And yeah. I think season four has, I think my favorite episode of all time, which is the vat of acid episode. Um, but uh, my favorite episode of Rick and Morty, um, I should say not my favorite TV episode yeah. ever. Um, but, uh, but, but has, uh, um, has, uh, I don't know. It just gets increasingly harder to like the show. And legitimately, I'm not sure that I will stay with the show much longer. Uh, yeah. I, I, like I'm for sure in for this season. Um, and I would probably give it another one because two great seasons and one good season, you know, should have at least two bad seasons before I, um, uh, before I kind of give up, but I don't know. I just, I don't, and it, it, adult swim gave them this massive, like nine year con like nine season contract, like biggest contract they've ever mm. given because, but Rick and Morty like earned it. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. I just feel like they're just kind of doing whatever they want and, you know, similarly to my thoughts on Zack Snyder, like you just got to tell no to these guys sometime. And mm-hmm. uh, I just, I'm, I, I'm just not really, I'm not laughing as much, and I just don't think I'm enjoying them as much. So yeah, um, there's also I, n- no shortage of TV shows out there now. It's impossible to watch everything, so you have to if you're not right. If you're yeah, not so that's the it. thing, and it's not a, it's not a super long show either. But yeah, yeah I mean. You're right. I, I would I would much rather watch Ted Lasso or What We Do in the Shadows or Wellington Paranormal or probably not Medical Police or Mr. Gorman. But um, you know, but like, there's so <laughs> many shows that I would rather watch with an endless queue. You know, like um, yeah. Uh, and then Resident Alien. I went ahead and watched all this show. This is the mm. Alan Tudyk sci-fi show. Um, I liked this a lot. I, I I liked it more than I expected, but I laughed less than I expected uh, because. I have heard people recommending this show and I've heard um, people talk about how funny it is. And I chuckled quite a bit. I don't know that I ever like belly laughed, but you know, Alan Duty makes this role. And, uh, but I just thought it was a little bit more clever than what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be, you know, almost like a sitcom and it's a drama yeah. first. Uh, and there was what's, even a moment. What's the basic that, premise? So um, Alan Duty is, uh, I hope now it's just how I say it. I'm sure I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> Uh, but that guy that everybody knows and loves um, is uh, a doctor in a small town. And the opening scene is he gets killed by an alien and then the a- alien mimics his body. And then he's called in to um, be the ta- this small town in Colorado's doctor because okay. the doctor died um, the night before. And so they need a new person to run the clinic. Um, and so he meets people, um, but like, he is very socially unaware of everything because he's an alien. Um, so, uh, and he's like searching for his lost ship so he can fulfill his mission. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I, I really liked it. Um, I really did. I'm for sure coming back for season two. I just was more clever than I thought it would be. Had more character depth than I thought it would. Um, and had a really interesting twist in the finale because there's also mm-hmm. this underlying, um, this underlying theme of, well, since the doctor died, who did it? And he solves it in the first episode, but then he has this thought at the very end of the first episode, he was like, wait. And then all of a sudden it was changed from um, accidental death to murder. And so there's this underlying plot story there. And gosh, it's, I really like this show. Yeah. Uh, it's on Hulu. So mm-hmm. 
Uh, I would recommend, fully recommend checking it out. It's just, you be prepared to laugh, uh, but yeah. it's got some feels to it. Yeah. All right. Um, well, that'll do it for the, the shows that we're watching now. What about, real quickly, what are shows that aren't airing right now that you watch when they're on? So I tend not to do week to week very often. Um, I mean, I watch things if they come on Netflix all at once, but in general, for me, the sweet spot is neither week to week nor binging. It's like watching an episode or two a day so that they're fresh in my head, but I'm not overdoing it. So the last one that I really religiously watched week to sorry, religiously watched week to week, that's a tongue twister, was The Good mm-hmm. Place. That's done now, but that one I just had to see. When they're on now, uh, the Marvel shows and the Mandalorian, those I watch week to week. Um, yeah, uh, that's, that's about it right now. I'm doing Ted Lasso and Mr. Corman, although honestly, I might not have done those week to week unless I were doing this podcast and wanted some good shows to talk <laughs> about, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's it. Cool. Uh, and I, you know, just already listed mine a bunch all over and I get the chance to talk about them when they're on. Um, so real quick, uh, I have two additions to my queue this week, uh, or this month. Uh, I just want to get, uh, get your highlights. Uh, but my, my two are, um, Reservation Dogs is another new Taika Waititi show that just came out. It's FX mm. on Hulu. Um, so I haven't seen it yet, but like I'm going to be checking it out at some point. And uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine has a new season um, that I haven't ah, okay. seen. I haven't seen the new episode of, but I'm going to watch it probably tonight. So uh, yeah. w- what are kind of your like highlights, like your things that are like on your list queue? Of shame. Yeah, your like, TV list of shame. Yeah, I'm going to just rattle off titles. These are really embarrassing. I've seen mo- like some of the major ones, like I've seen Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones and stuff, but these are the like top 10 or so that I, I'm embarrassed I haven't seen them. Sopranos, The Wire, Mad Men, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Leftovers. Still have not seen Better Call Saul, because again, I don't love week to week. I'm going to just wait till it's all done. Firefly, mm-hmm. Succession, I really want to watch. Twin Peaks, The Newsroom, Westworld, Fargo, Boardwalk Empire. Person of Interest, Seinfeld. These are big shows. I have seen a lot of shows, though. That makes it sound like I've seen nothing. But those are the ones I'm like, ooh, every time I, someone talks about them, I, I die inside a little bit because I'm like, I should have watched these by now. Well, and I also feel like I don't think there's a single show on there that I would say, like, you're probably fine skipping. Like, yeah. you know, especially if you're a big fan of Breaking Bad. I'm just, I'm just not. So I'm not super interested in Better Call Saul. But I realize I'm yeah. a minority. Um, yeah, so I just, uh, yeah, I, I can't think of a single thing in there. Uh, I mean, I know Person of Interest didn't have a big audience, but I know that the people that watched it really liked it and had an interesting premise. Yeah, I just know, like, if you look on IMDb, like, on the episode ratings, I always find that interesting. It's always exciting if you see, like, the season finale of of a show has, like, a 9.9 or something ridiculous, because on TV shows, IMDb, I don't know, they go go a lot higher than movies, which, like, the highest one is Shawshank with, like, in the low nines, something like that. But um, Nine, Person of Interest has a lot of, of high episodes that when I was just kind of yep. curiously scrolling through, I was like, wow, that's that must be a satisfying show to be a fan of. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so then the two, two things then. So what's your favorite show of all time? Okay, so I'm going to go with Breaking Bad, Gun to My Head. Uh, that is probably my favorite mm-hmm. show. Uh, it's because of Brian Cranston mainly, although everything about the show is perfect. Uh, I just... I'm a big fan of performances and to me it does not get better than Brian Cranston in this show because I think what's the kind of magic trick of of him in this show is that you can compare two episodes, two consecutive episodes, and there's not a huge change necessarily in his character. But if you compare two episodes from different seasons or from the beginning to the end, it's like almost a completely different character. Like his his evolution is gradual enough that you don't necessarily notice it happening in real time aside from a few big moments. But it's such a cool performance. I just, I just think he's kind of unreal in this show. Uh, and I love the whole cast. 
I love that there's humor in it. Like it's like True Detective. I loved, but it's boy, is it not a fun watch? It's re- it's pretty depressing oh, most of it. Oh. But uh, Breaking, sorry, go ahead. No, I just was agreeing. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a lot. But Breaking Bad, like Jesse, is hilarious. That and his dynamic with Walt, I just love it. So mm-hmm. I'm sure I will love Better Call Saul. There's no doubt in my mind. But um, I'm just gonna wait till it's done. My other I one, think- like, uh, oh, sorry. I, just, I think I need to give Breaking Bad another chance. I just like didn't really like it. And there's a difference between like sitting down and watching a movie that I think maybe I would like if I watched it again with a different perspective or just with a better knowledge of what the movie actually is. Um, you know, I can donate two hours of my time, but like, you know, Breaking Bad is not a, a short watch. It's like what six, seven seasons, and they're just five. pretty long seasons. Oh, five. Okay. Well, yeah, it's about sixty episodes. And they're 45 minutes. Yeah, like, it's not, like, the biggest undertaking, you know, but, like, it's certainly sizable. And there's the difference between rewatching something that you don't, like, remember not watching for the hopes you might like it again versus mm-hmm. rewatching something that you love or finding something new. And that that category that Breaking Bad is in, rewatching, hoping to love something that you didn't like would, uh, yeah. is just... I'll, I'm sure I'll rewatch it eventually. It's just going to be a hot second. I, I feel like I need to, but yeah, no, it's a, a lot of people are turned off. I think by the first couple episodes, cause there's a lot of like intense drugs and gore and craziness that happens in those first couple episodes. And it's, yeah, I do think it gets better as it goes along, but I, I do think like, if you don't love anything much about the first season, you probably won't love the show in general. Yeah. Took me three sittings and the third sitting was just finally, all right, I just look. I just got to sit down and finish it. That way, people can top, stop telling me you just got to get to here. You just got to get to here. Because yeah. it was always like I watched the first two episodes and then I stopped. And they're mm-hmm. like, you just got to get to the end. Of, you just got to get to start of season two. And so I got to the start of season two and I just wasn't interested still. And they're like, oh, you just got to get till Gus gets there. I'm like, fine, I'll just freaking watch the whole thing. <laughs> and then you could stop telling yeah. me you just got to get there. I'll yeah, just... I will say it does have great, great payoffs, like character yeah. payoffs, and yeah. with the storylines that it's it's. Like for my money, I do, I do not think this show has been beat. Maybe Game of Thrones, like some of like the first six seasons, maybe has some great payoffs too. But uh, like the end of season four and end of season five, it's like some of the best TV I think that's ever been made. Yep. Well, mine is Watchmen, and also oh, has yeah, yeah. some it's really great. incredible payoffs. You know, where, yeah, with great. the with the Doctor Manhattan reveal is so satisfying. Oh, he's uh, so good. Yeah, I I thought he was great. Well, and everything about the finale is just chef's kiss so yeah i love jeremy um, irons too yeah he's really he's really great um yeah. all right um what's your hot take for tv okay uh i will just say real quick my other the runner-up to my favorite show the one that maybe i enjoy more but i just have to say breaking bad is psych uh it's just okay. one that i watched a lot growing up it's if i could only keep one i would keep psych just because it's a lot lighter and more fun but um great sense of humor Lots of movie references. They do like the themed episodes that Community does now, except before Community. Um, love yeah. the characters. Love everything about it. Um, so that would be they're they're basically tied. But uh, I'm only picking Breaking Bad because I I feel like I should take a take a stand. Okay, my hot take. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, my hot take. This is this is pretty hot. So buckle in, Ooh, listeners. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so please don't hate me, but I think Stranger Things has gotten worse with each season. That's my hot take, which Ooh. some people might agree with me. Some people, I like, it depends on what what's, what uh, movie circles you listen to online. But um, I think 
visually, technically, it's gotten better. Like season three looks amazing. I love the look of that show. Like the colors and the the mall is a great setting and everything. Um, I just think it's the story, like and the characters for me. And just to be clear, I like season three still. I still I still love the show. I just the first season to me was almost perfect. The second season was a little bit less of an interesting story. And season three was even less of an interesting story to me personally. And I feel like it's one of these shows that I feel like has become aware of its own popularity to the point where when things happen in season three, especially, it feels like um, like with the outfits that Steve and Robin are wearing, like they know that that's going to become iconic and that people are going to dress yeah. up like that at Comic-Con. It's like it just, the show feels to me like it it knows how popular it is. And I think some of the characters have become a little bit too cartoony, like Hopper in particular. I yeah, love him sure. in season one. And David Harbour, perfect. It's not, my issue is not with him in the slightest, but in season three, it's like, he's kind of awkward, you know, the, like, what do I say to Eleven? And then even Winona Ryder, who I thought was fantastic in season one and is still good. She's great throughout. Like in season three, it's like her sort of neurotic energy is a little too over the top for me, even though it made perfect sense in season one, like her child is missing. Of course, she'll be like this, but like, I don't know, all of the characters to me, and as it goes along, get a little a little too caricature-ish and the storyline is just a little bit less interesting. I just love the mystery of season one. So that's it. That's my hot take. Please don't, please don't kill me. Look, I don't know. I don't think that's worth anybody fighting you about. Like, look, sure. I'm, yeah. it, would, it classifies as a hot take, but I would say um, if we're talking in terms of quality of story, absolutely. You're right. Well, I think three is better than two. Um, I think, I think a lot of two is just a mess because they hit so much success with season one. And they want and they wanted to get it out there pretty quick. I think there's a lot of things that just aren't good about season. Yeah, two. that one that one episode brings it down, especially uh, not that, just that, that one. Not trying. just right. I, I don't care about all of season two. Um, so no, that's fine. Um, I do think season three is my favorite though. Um, but I understand where you're coming from, saying yes, season one had the better story. Um, but I feel like it's because the characters, um, because of the characters in season three, like. The f- like the fact that they split them up and kind of had them split up for the whole season and mm-hmm. you you were just okay with that like I never thought that just Dustin and Steve would have been so lovable together like just the two of yeah. them enough for, to sustain their whole arc um mm-hmm. so I you know stuff like that um I I do wish um if I was in charge of the show I would have had this be an anthology series um but mm. with the same characters um and like nothing changing about the characters but if you have season one being that kind of 80s throwback horror um that is probably mostly based off what what like film or film era like could you have a film or two films that you would think that would like the main like season um, one yeah season one like stand by me and et probably are the ones that come to mind yeah like so so scary stand by me and et and then you know but then have season two like I don't know what you have, but like, you know, season three is obviously ripping off a red dawn. Well, make it red dawn and have it be something similar. Like, you know, have all of season one wrapped up in a nice thing and, and whatever characters survive, come back for season two. And then it's not necessarily a horror anymore. You know, you have Mm a, um, you know, maybe it's more like a sitcom or maybe it's just an action or maybe it's an adventure, you know, like that, that's what I would have done with the, with the series. Um, So like change genre each season. Yeah, kind of, you know, okay. similar to like the Cornetto trilogy. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, but but again, keeping the characters the same. I'm not saying 
you know, we keep the same cast and have them be different people. I'm saying we have, you know, 11 be 11 and nothing changes about her character and Mike be Mike and nothing changes about his. Well, I mean, like obviously development and progress, but, um, but at least like, it's not like we started a clean slate each season. So, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, my TV hot take is that football is the worst sport to watch on TV. Okay. So, I'm not a big sports person, but go ahead. Here's a cat. There is a caveat. I think uh, football and baseball. This it came down to football and baseball. Um, football and baseball are great, sp- great sports to watch on TV, either in the background or with people over, and you don't have to pay mm-hmm. attention to them. Um, but it is intolerable watching specifically baseball live, um, but also football live. And I, I went with football over the baseball for the reason that in baseball, anything could happen at any moment, but in football, things only happen during the downs and the way that the timing works, there is way more time that people are on the field and nothing is happening. Um, now I do understand like the analytical, like everybody doing everything, you know, and you break down you know, a 52 man roster, you break that down um, and you get to watch, here's what this person's doing. And this is why that's so critical. And you can break down so much um, about that game. Um, and you do that in the off time, but it's just, takes forever now i love going to football games i love going to mm-hmm. iowa games i love going to baseball games um i really do uh but to watch them on tv live is practically unbearable um and uh like unless starting unless, and stopping right yes a lot of just starting and stopping and scroll twitter for a hot second um, yeah. <laughs> now again if you have people over and you're talking while watching a game or eating while watching a game it's fine you know, that's, that's, the, that's the caveat. But if it's just me choosing to do something on my Sunday afternoon, just I, I'll DVR a game and watch it that I'm not going to really uh, care about. <laughs> uh, care about turning what, it on live. What would you say is the best sport to watch at home then? Like basketball hockey. maybe? Hockey, okay. I'm a big hockey fan. Um, I, now basketball is probably that number two for me. Um, I mm-hmm. don't really like the sport, um, but I feel like that's a great sport to watch because – um, aside from the last two minutes of every quarter, um, there there isn't much downtime, um, yeah. and it gets kind of unbearable that because people just take penalties, two minutes in basketball can take literally forty five um, mm-hmm. to get through. So that that can become obnoxious. But uh, no, hockey, because anything can happen at any moment. Um, it's a very fast paced game. There are deliberately very few commercial breaks. Um, the game very rarely stops. Um, and if it does stop, they get them going quickly again. It's so fast paced. Um, it's just really easy, but you can't really have it on in a background sport uh, as a background yeah. sport. So uh, I feel like you could still have basketball on in a background sport, but like because basketball scores 100 points every every game for every team and hockey, you have games that end 1-0 or whatever. Like there's a difference. You want to see whenever somebody sco- scores or you want to see whenever people get loud for what reason. So uh, ho- hockey is the best sport to watch on TV. Um, yeah, for me. So, yeah, that makes sense. Cool. So, uh, so we'll do the B plot. We got that to do. Uh, this should be pretty quick, I think. Um, okay. so, uh, so we get the choice to cancel any TV series at any point in time. What are you canceling? Where are you ending it? I would like to start because we already talked about this kind of. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop Stranger Things right at at the end of season three. Um, That's a good call. It it wraps up nicely, I think. <laughs> It wraps up really nicely, and there's enough yeah. loose ends that you can still, you know, have fan fiction or whatever. Um, I'm just not excited about season four because season three was like to me like perfect, and you have your nice little trilogy of series, and you know, 
I I don't feel like I'm missing anything if I don't watch season four. Now I'm still gonna watch mm-hmm. season four, and I'm sure it'll be great. But yeah, especially with spending all this time on it. But uh, eh, it's just doesn't necess- It doesn't need to go on. Um, yeah. it would be. I would be totally happy if if that was the finale. Yeah, I think it's better to end on a on a high note. I think rather yep. than extend it longer than is necessary. Uh, okay, do you want to just go like back and forth? We each say one. Yeah, yeah we'll do. Yeah, back and forth. Okay, this is probably an obvious answer, and it would leave it would or it would possibly make for a very unsatisfying ending. But Game of Thrones end of season six, I think, because you end on a high note of those last two episodes, and then even though there's some fun stuff in season seven overall, I I, I feel like that's where it started to go downhill a little bit for me. Um, and of course, like, uh, I feel like season eight because of that, like, I don't know, I, I was, I was watching, I watched it ahead of the, the final season and I was thinking like, wow, this is like one of the best shows I've ever seen. I'm definitely rewatching this like by the end of the year, you know, and then <laughs> season seven happened and I was like, okay, well, let's just see the last season. And then season eight happened. And it's like, really makes you not want to go back to it. Yep. Even though the, those, the experience with those first for me, six seasons. I know some people don't love five and six as much. I really like season six, but um, yeah, six yeah, is my it, favorite. It, yeah, it, ha- it has probably like three of my favorite episodes of the show are in that season. I think season four, I think, is maybe the strongest season overall. But uh, those last two episodes of of season six, like, imagine it just ends there. <laughs> Even if there's not a satisfying ending, that would be like the greatest. Like, uh, one one can dream. So that's my pick. Yeah, the whole show is building up to this winter is coming and we don't even get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. Uh, look, I, <laughs> there's definitely the dip in quality. I know people would say it's starting season six, but now season six is my favorite. So, um, you know, there's definitely a dip in quality seven and eight or mediocre, um, with some pretty, pretty okay moments. Uh, yeah, but, uh, okay. It would be very unsatisfying, but... It would, but not, it would be more satisfying than I think what we right, have. <laughs> more satisfying than... <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, my next two are just going to be quick uh, because okay. they're obvious. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll stop The Office after season eight. And we were talking beforehand. How I'm not a big Office fan in the first place. I've been pretty vocal about that on the show. Um, I, I don't like this cringe humor. I don't like most of the characters in the show specifically Michael is the worst. Um, and I think Dwight is a fun character, but not anybody I want to root for. And Jim is a lovable person that is terrible. Like I like Jim, but it's mostly because John Krasinski is playing him. I think he's a terrible individual. Um, Pam is of course quirky. Anyway, I, I could go, <laughs> I could go, through, the list. I could go yeah. through a list of, of just like why I don't think this show is great. Uh, why I think the show is okay. But at the end of the day, I think there are some really good episodes in there and some really funny moments. And I, and I don't want to, like, here's the other thing. It's not a show for, like, it probably is a show that should be for me, but it's it's not a show that I enjoy, but other people love. So why should I really want to take away your love? And I don't, I, the answer is I don't. But everybody hates the ninth season and for good reason. And I think even, because uh, there's nine seasons, I think even season eight is good. Um, the, mm-hmm. that's the first season without Michael Scott. I think season eight, uh, is good where there's the rotating door of Idris Elba and Will Ferrell and James Spader kind of being the primary new people, mm-hmm. but bosses. And I think, uh, um, yeah, just season, I don't remember how season eight ends, but, uh, but you just take that season nine ending and pull it forward to season eight, um, ending and, yeah. uh, just stop it there. Um, I especially also, when I also had started. this. Yeah, I oh, had this cool. on mine as well. I I said end of season seven because that's when Steve Carell leaves. 
and like he's yeah. the main character of the show, it, that would have been like the perfect ending point. And seasons eight and nine, I think, tend like if you're ranking all the seasons, those are probably right at the bottom for most people. So that yeah. just seems like the yeah. Pro- probably season seven is the better answer. Um, but for me, who still enjoyed season eight, and arguably mm-hmm. more because Michael Scott wasn't in it, um, ah, which okay. is nothing against Steve Carell. He's great. I just hate that character. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, I think um, I think your answer is probably the better one and the one that most mm-hmm. would agree with. But uh, yeah, and I would I would say it's fine too. Uh, so my other one is uh, Scrubs at the end of season eight. Um, this was supposed to be canceled, and uh, so they got canceled at the end of season seven by NBC, and then ABC picked them up for an eighth season and was supposed to just be here's your final season, but then. It's one of the most popular shows, you know, sitcoms of the 2000s. And they're just like, hey, you want to do more? But they already had everything planned out. And so they wound up coming up with a season nine, which feels like a spinoff, which isn't terrible, but is far from the quality of the original eight seasons, especially with such a perfect finale for for uh, for season eight, uh, the best TV finale of all time. So Scrub Mm -hmm. season eight, obvious. Another list of shame one for me that I didn't include on the list, but I still need to see it. Yeah, no, you bumped that up to the tippy top. I w- <laughs> will do. Uh, okay, uh, another one for me would be Modern Family, which I feel like went on way, way, way too long. I stopped watching probably around season seven or so. I feel like the first three seasons are really solid quality sitcom material. I said I would end it at season five because I feel like if you have just those first few seasons, um, you have like a really solid rewatchable sitcom, but I don't think I'm ever going to go back to it now just because it kept going on and had multiple seasons even after I stopped watching. Um, I don't know. It just feels like it outstayed its welcome. I think 11 seasons total. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, you are definitely not alone thinking that show outstayed its welcome. I, uh, yeah. It's one of those I would catch like reruns every now and then and enjoy. Uh, I would like to sit mm-hmm. down and watch them, but I'm imagining that at some point I'll want to just stop. And uh, that's okay. You know, yeah. I, I know at least the first couple seasons are funny enough. Yeah, I think first three, I think, are really solid. Four and five, I think, still have some pretty good episodes. It's been a while since I've watched it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the characters are great. It's just a, a well-cast show. It's just like it, you can only have so many like episodes in a sitcom before the jokes just feel really, really repetitive. Yeah. Well, and I feel like they're also a mockumentary. So they were always one or two steps behind... The Office and Parks and Rec in Brooklyn Nine Nine, like they were always just never, never doing it the best. So, mm-hmm. um, yep. Uh, all right, I'll go with The Walking Dead season one. Um, I watched until <laughs> Very early. season four. Yeah, well, I watched until season four, but you can tell um, this was planned as a miniseries. It was supposed to be a six episode miniseries, um, and so uh, that that was supposed to be it. Um, but it became the most popular show on TV. Uh, and so they, you know, made more, um, and it still is one of the most popular shows on TV for some reason. Um, but I, I legitimately think that first season is incredible and I love the ending of it. Um, I think the, uh, I like how not every loose ends is tied. We don't really know what happened with Meryl. Um, all we know, yeah, all we know is, uh, that he was left handcuffed somewhere. Um, and, um, there's, there's a lot of, loose threads but um that the the end of the first season is where 
they go to the CDC and they get inside the CDC and they hang out for a little bit and they're going to self-destruct the place, I think, or there's only one scientist left or whatever. And um, they realize that there's just no hope for getting past this. And he whispers something to um, uh, whatever the main character is, Andrew Lincoln. And um, we find out later that it's they it's not they die from a bite. It's any time anybody dies without damage to the head. Um, you know, cause that, that's revealed in season two finale where Shane is revived after being shot in the chest. Um, so it, it's such a, it's bleak, it's dark as crap, but, uh, and has some loose, loose ends, but I, I think if I ever watched the show again, it would just be season one and it stopped. Um, yeah. and I, and I liked season two, I thought season three was atrocious, but, um, yeah, I think it works totally fine as a mini series with a lot of loose threads. Yeah, this is another one that I, I never got around to just because like in the early seasons, I, was, I kept saying to myself, I got to start this eventually, but then it just kept on going. And at this point, I, I don't know, I can't see myself ever, ever watching it for that reason. Well, it kept on would. going and less people kept watching it. And so now I, I yeah. don't think it should be on anybody's list of shame. I think yeah. people that watch it are going to keep watching it. And yeah, if you would have joined in on the hype train when it came out, you know, yeah, different story. I, I but would now, if I'm it just, were just one season like you want then I would have watched you, it by now. Honestly, again, I might recommend you watch the first season. So mm-hmm. uh, it's good. The first season. Okay. My next pick is house of cards. Um, Ooh, gonna... this is my last one too. Oh, cool. I was going to end. I, I saved my four. favorite for last. Okay. Okay. I was you go ahead and talk about yours. Four. I never, I never watched the final final season just cause I, I heard not great things about it. And even though it, you should not, continue with kevin spacey i wish they would have just stopped stopped there like it, it, he's the main character of the show it's weird i think not not to have him in it but uh, right, now season, season five, five is the, the last one with robin there's Wright six starring yeah okay there's se- six seasons total i think and i did I've not seen watch it all <laughs> six but season five to me also felt kind of slow like there's good moments in it but it's just it really gets dragged out i i decided to end it season four um i feel like if you could just maybe squeeze some extra stuff into season four you could wrap it up pretty nicely and have a quality show i feel like the first season is probably my favorite season still but um i season two has good stuff in it season three i just really like jimmy simpson so i enjoy the stuff with him um yeah season four i think ends on a high note has has some good moments in there now remind me what the ending of season four we could spoil this This is an older show and especially with somebody like kevin spacey in the title i just i think a lot of people if they were interested, just aren't anymore. Yeah, it's been so many, it's been a few years. I can't like say it. I just, I remember the feeling I got while watching it. It's, there's like this one well, is this shot that's he down He wins the table re-election the, or is this? I don't know. Um, Sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't have, shouldn't have brought that up without without having a good answer. But um, yes, at the end of every season, something happens with his, yeah. his status. But, uh, yeah. Okay. yeah, this is the one I saved for last and it's because it's my favorite. Um, I would end this at the end of season two. Um, that's that's good too. Yeah, and I really like season three and four. I thought five five was good, um, and six I probably thought was okay. But I know people were really hating on it, and I just chose to look at it with a different lens because everybody was like, "Yeah, they're doing it without Kevin Spacey." And I'm like, "Yeah, like they're trying," and I'm gonna give them respect for trying to yeah. do it without him. Um, and they're trying to wrap up a show, you know. <laughs> Um, that I don't know that it was necessarily intending on wrapping up at that point. Yeah. Um, definitely not the way they intended. So um, I would go with season two. Um, and again, you know, taking aside the whole, you know, 
not because of people in it, not because of things that were happening on set, um, anything like that. It's just uh, see the end of so the whole the whole start of the show, the pilot is he's promised to be vice president and uh, by the current president, and he said if I win. Uh, the the person that becomes president, he says, if I win, I'm going to make you, uh, I think it's majority whip or maybe it's vice president. Either way, I thought it was mm-hmm. majority whip or whatever. And he's like the minority whip. So he was going, he said, if I win, I'm going to make you hire. And then he tells you, or maybe he's going to be vice president. He's like, but no, I need you in the house as the majority whip or whatever. So, um, so it goes from somebody promised him something. And then said, actually, no, I need you where you're at. And so he now he's like, well, I'm going to backstab my way to the top. And so at the end of season one, he convinces the vice president to resign, and then he takes over as vice president. That's how season one ends. And then at the end of season two, he's finagled and essentially framed the president for something illegal and gets him impeached. And so the end of season two is he becomes president. He has achieved his goal of nobody has treated me right, uh, or at least, you know, he's not a sympathetic person, but of... He has set out to to do what he wanted to do because he said, if you're not going to give me the right hand, I'm just going to take it all. And he did. And it ends um, with him standing in the Oval Office as the president of the United States now. Um, and he has a he has a ring on on his right hand. And one of his signature moves is to double tap his ring. So it's mm-hmm. him in the Oval Office. Yep. And he just double taps on the desk so and cuts the black. Yeah. It's a perfect ending. And honestly, I would recommend I would still recommend you check out the show. Uh, if you haven't seen it, just stop at season two. I think it would be much more satisfying if if they end. Now it's again bleak because this person who is terrible, um, you know, the character is terrible. Person is terrible too, but the character is terrible, <laughs> um, and he just won. Uh, but that's such a perfect ending. So that's where yeah. I had it. And very weirdly, the show still lives on through Kevin Spacey's kind of creepy annual Christmas videos <laughs> in front of his fireplace or in his kitchen. <laughs> so nice. for you people who didn't want it to end, it's still going in a, in a sense. I only saw the first one. I didn't even know they were still doing those. Uh, so. Yeah. He's done a couple. They're something fun. Um, okay. My, my fifth one then is uh, I'm only cutting off three episodes really, but Sherlock, I would end at season three rather than season four. Hmm. Have you seen Sherlock? Yeah, so this is uh, where he gets arrested at the house. The end so of season the, three. The it's the Magnuson episode is the is the end of season three. It's been again, it's been a few years since I've watched it, but um, season four, episode one is like the I, I've I've not gone back to rewatch this episode because I didn't love it. It was like the stuff with Mary the, um, Watson's yeah, wife like her being a spy. Yeah, yeah, that was strange to me. Episode two, I thought was fantastic. That's with Toby Jones. That was a great episode. Yes. But then episode three to me is the one with his sister, and that one I just felt went like way too over the top. I thought I thought her character was was too over the top, and it's like I don't know. It doesn't feel right for this show to just drop a sibling reveal out of nowhere, and then I don't know. It's like there's all these traps and things that she's set up sort of throughout the the facility and then they bring back andrew scott as moriarty and then it's revealed that it's just a flashback and it that felt to me like kind of a uh, like i don't know either bring him back or don't type of scene i don't know that whole last episode to me just maybe not 
I don't know, not excited to revisit it, but I love the first three seasons and season mm. four just only has one great episode to me. And I, I feel like I would have been more satisfied if it had just ended at three. And I, I've, okay. I've rewatched the first three seasons a number of times, but I've not gone back to it since season four because of that. So, okay. Um, I understand what you're saying, but I really love season four. So I am not gonna, okay. Not gonna That's fair. You there. But I, but I understand and appreciate where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to throw a recommendation. You should watch Luther. It's my favorite BBC show. I've seen it. It's a great right. show. Okay. I was going to say, you might want to stop at three, though, just because yeah, four and five I, are nowhere near as good as three. Yeah. Honestly, it's a similar problem to me where I just want to watch a mystery. I, I don't want to watch like some huge, large-scale plot or like Sherlock's super evil genius sister, you know, like I just want to watch right. them solve a mystery. That's really all I want. You know, like I like Luther because of Idris Elba. I like Sherlock because I like Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman, you know, uh, and the yeah. cases. Um, I don't know. I just wish like, just give me a, <laughs> a normal mystery and that's all I want and I'll be happy. Sure. Cool. Uh, well, we did it. Uh, so, um, yeah, I think I think some pretty solid stuff on our list. Uh, that means we just have to do the spinoff. And look, we've been talking about things that people should check out, not all day, but why not one more thing? So um, I'd like to, to kick us off here. I'm going to talk about uh, two things, kind of. Uh, it's One's a cheat. Um, there is a new movie on Apple TV Plus called Coda, and it's incredible. Um, I think everybody should watch it. Uh, it's really great. Uh, it's kind of a cheat because we already released a bonus episode on it. Um, so me and, uh, Shane did. So like kind of a cheat because I've already talked about it. I'm just trying to pump pimp. You might've seen in your podcast player, like Coda review, like what the heck even <laughs> was Coda? Like really like Coda's great. Go check it out. It's on Apple TV plus. Um, so, and then go ahead and stop by and listen to our review. You know, that'd be cool. Yeah. Too. Uh, the one that I'll do like my longer thing on is, uh, it's, it's a movie called the legend of 1900. Um, I tweeted about this from the, uh, I tweeted about this and then had Sif Pop Twitter kind of um, play with that a little bit. But uh, I watched uh, The Legend of 1900, uh, which is a film by um, Giuseppe Tornatori, who did Cinema Paradiso. And I was just like, after I saw Cinema Paradiso for the second time, I was just like, all right, what else has this guy done? Because I need to see it. And most of his IMDb is full of like 5.7s and like a bunch of really low rated stuff. And then there's this weird little 8.0 Legend of 1900, 1988 movie starring Tim Roth. And it's like, okay, um, you can only find this available like on physical, like a DVD or um, Amazon video. You have to rent it uh, or you can buy it, but it's not on Vudu or iTunes or anything like that. Um, it's a two and a half hour long epic about Tim Roth, who um, is a, it takes place in 1900 to 1940 something um and uh, the story is he's born on a boat and at some point in his life realizes he's a piano prodigy but he refuses to leave the boat um there's a lot of really good character work in this um there's a lot of really interesting themes and moments that just moments that will make you go gosh this is uh this is really powerful uh and beautiful and um uh, moments that will uh, be like, all right, that's kind of cheesy and corny, but whatever, it's 1988. Um, Tim Roth giving a career best performance, in my opinion, uh, maybe besides Lie to Me, but he got several seasons to work with that. So best movie performance, in my opinion, uh, by Tim Roth. Uh, and this is one of, again, uh, the best scores from Ennio Morricone. So 
who did, also did Cinema Paradiso, is arguably the greatest film composer of all time. Um, lots to love about this movie. I would really recommend checking it out. I'm, I'm, if not for the fact that you could be like, I watched a movie that so few people have rated. Like, it's one of those things, like, on Letterboxd, there's, like, less than 500 people that have, like, rated it. So, um, mm. but most people think pretty highly of it. Um, so, uh, yeah, little movie that I've never heard anybody say anything about ever. And I'm recommending, I'm saying it's worth a watch for sure. Yeah. I, I love Tim Roth, Ennio Morricone. And I had not heard of this until I saw your, your tweet about it, but now it's on my radar. Uh, Coda, yeah. Coda, I'm going to try and watch this week probably. And then I will listen to the podcast. Uh, yeah. yeah I've heard something. nothing but good things about it. Okay. I'm just happy uh, people are watching it. <laughs> yeah. All right. My recommendation, I'm going to recommend the original Candyman, uh, just because the new one's coming out in a couple weeks, and I, like probably a lot of people, wanted to check out the original before the new one comes out. Um, so again, I know there's not a lot of horror people who are also Sif Pop fans, but uh, if you can tolerate a, a horror movie, I think this one's very solid, and I was really pleasantly surprised with it. Um, like I think on IMDb, I think it's in the sixes or something. I think that's too low. Uh, it's 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 really good. I think it fizzles out a little bit by the end, but Tony Todd as Candyman is fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, as iconic as any of the other big horror villains, like the the way they shoot his character is so cool. Like the second he comes on screen, the 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 sound of his voice just reverberates around whatever room he's in in this really cool way. It just feels like iconic the moment he walks on screen. It's really really cool. It's also got a great score. It's Philip Glass which is a really weird pairing for him to be doing Candyman, but it's a great score. From what I understand, I think he uh, wasn't aware it was going to be like a, your uh, sort of standard horror movie. I think he thought it was going to be something else and felt a little tricked into doing the score, but ultimately it's a great score. And so I think it, that elevates it too. Virginia Madsen is the main character. She's great. Um, it is scary. It's it's kind of kind of gory. So keep that in mind. But if you were considering checking out the new Candyman, then I would recommend this one since it's pretty timely. And uh, you have, have you seen either of the sequels, the two or three? Nope. No, okay. I don't have a strong need to. No. And I'm pretty sure that nobody is recommending those, but it's just funny. Cause we were talking about that because I said, I really want to watch it because yeah. it kind of plays in. And I think the, this new one is supposed to be a spiritual sequel. So I think kind of like the Halloween reboot. Mm-hmm. Where and I think you don't Tony really Todd need to watch the first one. Yeah, he is. Yeah, but it's like I don't think you need to watch the first one to get the second yeah. one. Yeah, I don't think you need reason. to either. Probably, but I'd still I'd recommend it because I, I thought I thought it was great. I thought I was just going to be like checking it off to see it, but I had a great time. Cool. Yeah, definitely on my list uh, for sure. And that uh, is good to hear external validation. So uh, on that note, that's a wrap. Uh, so a quick reminder, this hip-hop writer's room is part of Studio DNA and Outwork. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Uh, if you're interested in writing for hiphop.com, like we talked about at the start of the show, or if you just want to get in contact with us, we would love for you to send us a question to explore during the B-plot. You can go ahead and email uh, us at writersroom at sifpop.com. Uh, that should be in your um, d- description uh, for the episode. You can also get in contact with me on Twitter or Letterboxd stuff uh, at Schweitcastle. And please leave us a review on iTunes. It's really helpful. Uh, Foster, uh, um, where do you want to send people to? Where do you want to tell people to, to come to Twitter and challenge your uh, where, <laughs> yes, where TV me. shows to them? Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, I have a Twitter. I have a Letterboxd. Uh, both of those are F-O-S-T-H-101, but you can probably just search my name and find it really easily. Uh, 
yeah, Twitter is very new, so it's, there's really nothing on there. Um, but I think my DMs should be open so anyone can chat with me about movies, uh, tell me how wrong I am about Stranger Things. And <laughs> Letterboxd I use frequently, too frequently, some <laughs> some would suggest. But uh, I love making lists on there. I'll review things once in a while, and I rate everything I see. So you can feel free to stalk me on there, see what I'm watching. Cool. And you can also, if you're interested in finding his profile, you can do it by searching Sif Pop in the members. And he is one of the members listed on team members in that. So um, just a longer way to get there. But uh, <laughs> hey, uh, hey, it's been awesome having you on. Really appreciate the talking TV stuff with you. Thank so, you. It's been fun. Yeah. Uh, so next month I'm talking about, st- actually, I don't think I have a writer lined up for next month. Uh, I'm working on it um, but for TV stuff. Uh, but next week is a GOATS episode. So talking with Robert about Fantasia and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, and we'll be talking, we'll be previewing Candyman. So um more thoughts on that next uh next week um so there's your upcoming stuff um and uh thanks for listening and uh really appreciate you guys and we'll see you next week